Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. What are you drinking? Vinny. Cake bread. Chardonnay. Haney. Mick Ultra. Vinny and Haney. 105.7. The Fan. Winner goes from first. The throw picked by Tamar Johnson. The Ali Sanchez throw in the grass. Stolen base. He can really fly the Tradfield. Pirates Network there yesterday. Spring training game number two. Orioles beat the Pirates 2-zip down in Florida. They're now 2-0 in the year, everybody. Break up the Orioles. Enrique Bradfield, their first-round pick last year out of Vanderbilt with the stolen base. We'll talk to John Mioli from the Baltimore Banner coming up at the top of the hour about that speed that plays. And he's got next-level wheels on a uh, 20 to 80 scale, 80 being your fast as hell. He's like 75-ish, maybe even 80. So we'll talk about he's not going to make the team this year, but he's going to be an asset to the organization probably quickly because he is a college guy. So we'll talk to John Mioli about that. But the news yesterday out of Florida was Cole Irvin, who, as we talked about last week, had lost 12 to 15 pounds, his estimate, changed his diet, started lifting a little bit more, increased his cardio, and came in in the best shape of his career. And two weeks ago, we had no idea what his role with the team was even going to be. Probably pitching out of the bullpen mainly. Possibly picking up a start or two, depending on the need to do so. Now he is going to be a prominent part of this Orioles rotation, at least coming out of Florida in March. And he pitched extremely well yesterday. Retired all six batters he faced. His sinker was coming in at almost 96 mile an hour. The four-seamer was coming in over 95. So the velo spike was certainly there yesterday. So not only did he lose weight, hopefully gained some stamina, improved his core, but the command is going to be much better than it was 
in 2023 when he was right out of the gate, kind of a disappointment to the point where he was sent back to the minor leagues. He was in Siberia as the Orioles were making a run eventually to the American League East Championship. They get recalled, made a couple of spot starts for them, pitched out of the pen. But good news there with Cole Irvin, Velo, effective, and that's all that matters. Brandon Hyde thinks he's going to have a monster season here for the Orioles, as does McCann, who thinks that this guy's going to be maybe a hidden gem, perhaps, for the Birds in 2024. Saturday, Corbin Burns, he got the start. One inning, couple of Ks, gave up a hit. Saw that game on Masson. Adley Rutschman homered in his first at-bat. Jackson Holiday got the start, 0 for 2 with a K. But uh, Colton Kowser hit the walk-off there in the bottom of the ninth inning as the Orioles beat the Red Sox 4-3. Of course, none of these results matter at all. It's all about player development. It's all about staying healthy. And the pitchers are going to start to extend with the pitch counts and the innings workload as the weeks progress. But we sit here on February 26, 2024. We're a little more than a month away from opening day as the Orioles' Nolan will take on the Angels, Los Angeles Angels. Mike Trout's still there. I mean, they're a questionable team. But still, for the Birds, the work has begun and so far, so good, other than the Braddish, John Means, Gunnar Henderson stuff. And Gunnar Henderson, he said he'll be ready to rock and roll shortly. Craig Kimbrell, however, had to shut down his bullpen. A little quad tightness there. Yeah, something to keep an eye on, I'm sure, just precautionary. He knows himself. He shut himself down there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you had a lot of contributions this weekend, a lot of good takeaways, pitching staff at the forefront there. It's happy to see they let Irvin work a couple innings. You know, Burns gets one inning. He, that's all he really needs, honestly. But Irvin, like you said, they want to know what they're getting out of him. And especially a guy who didn't get off to a good start last year, you're making sure he's going to come out the gate strong because you need him strong out the gate. And he was sharp. Three strikeouts, two innings, clean, working fast. The Man, whole, the whole he even exceeded what they, they had a planned pitch count for me through 28 yesterday. He was so sharp, to your point, they let him pitch two innings full. So Cole Irvin, good start for him, no pun intended. Split squad today, taking on Atlanta, taking on uh, Tampa, Povich against Tampa, and then Johnson, the kid they got in the Trey Mancini trades a couple years ago, coming back from Tommy John surgery. He'll go against Max Freed and the Atlanta Braves. So this is all just coming at you in waves, these spring training games, exhibition games, if you will. If you're the Orioles, just stay healthy and get Kind of banged up players back. Gunnar Henderson expected to be back here shortly. And again, we'll keep an eye on uh, Kimbrell. But Brandon Hyde said nothing to see here. Please disperse. There you go. You know, looking more at the uh, the pitching yesterday, I thought everyone was working fast. I mean, right after Irvin, Brian Baker, Keegan Aiken, I mean, they, they both finished their inning in under 10 pitches. So, I mean, sure, the Pirates playing a part in that, swinging early and often, but they were in the zone. They were throwing strikes. They weren't nibbling at all. Good to see from two guys that, uh, look, they're, they're fringe to make the opening day roster. Will they be here at some point in the season? Probably. That's just how a 162-game season plays out. But making a case to earn an opening day spot if there is one for him. There you go. The so, guy who was impressive, Norm, my man Bauman. Yeah. He came yeah. in second after Burns. He had he getting 97, 98 on the gun. He was, he was good. You he know was who was good. throwing uh, – this guy, uh, Wandison Charles. Yeah, he was throwing like 99 yesterday. Now, I'll be honest, wasn't familiar with him 
prior to the weekend, but you watch him pitch, fun to watch. I mean, big guy, big presence, big arm, certainly with the velocity. I'm not saying he's Felix Bautista. I'm not saying he's Yenier Cano. But you look at him on the mound, I mean, he's got that presence. So who knows? I mean, he got some action and uh, looked pretty good in Bowie last year. We'll see how uh, AAA season for him goes this year. Orioles two games starting at 1 o'clock. We will keep you up to date on the scores. Again, we'll talk to John Mioli from the Baltimore Banner coming up at 11 o'clock. Terps yesterday win at Piscataway against Rutgers as they get themselves a much-needed win. They are running out of time, 63-46. to 46. Final score, Julian Reese at 20. Jordan Geronimo had his first double-double as a Terp. Terp. Jameer Young, he had 12. Maryland's got Northwestern coming up here on Wednesday night. Northwestern's going to the NCAA tournament. They are minus a key contributor in that backcourt. We'll talk about that with Jeff Ehrman later in the show. It was not a beautiful game by any stretch of the imagination. Maryland only shot 41% from the field, 31% from three, 62% from the line. The problem is for Rutgers, they're even worse than Maryland is offensively, which is hard to explain why they beat the Terps a couple of weeks ago at the Xfinity Center. But three games left in the regular season. Maryland right now sits at 7-10 in the Big Ten. They are the 10th seed if the Big Ten tournament started today. They're still not even sniffing the bubble, so they have some work to do. They need to finish out on a three-game winning streak or a four-game winning streak and probably win a game or two in the Big Ted tournament to get even a sniff of the NCAAs. But we'll get, uh, we'll get, we'll talk to Jeff Berman from Inside FD Sports later in the show. And then tomorrow in Indianapolis, the NFL Combine begins. Eric DaCosta, John Harbaugh are going to speak with the media both tomorrow morning. We're going to have Evil DaCosta coming up here at 1030 with Vinny Serrato. You want to get in and ask questions of Eric that maybe won't be asked tomorrow because. Yeah, they might be in a little tight uh, tight window of answering questions and subjects they want to approach. But as we sit here, Vinny, on a Monday of the Combine, because the Harbaugh brothers were at the Pacers game last night against the Mavericks. Yeah, I, I would figure most people are just going in today. And they'll probably start getting interviews tonight. And they'll get organized. And, and you're only allowed so many guys to interview. And they... I don't know if they still do, but it was a schedule, and you got so many per night, and you get uh, 15-minute interviews, and now they're doing them on Zoom and everything. That's why a lot of coaches aren't even coming to these things because they can watch the interviews on Zoom. So um, things will really get heated up tomorrow because they've extended it because they made it a TV deal. Now now it's, you know, before when we used to go to the Combine, there was – you. There would be nobody there, just scouts, coaches. Now, you know, it's a media event because they turned it into about the money. And now it's, you know, it's not as good an event because it's they're putting everything, you know, to satisfy TV, not satisfy what's best for the coaches and the scouts. Yeah, the workouts don't even start till Thursday. The quarterbacks don't even throw anymore. Well, they I, do their pro days, basically. Well, the McCarthy's big, thro- the big name dudes are I, tapping out this I, the year. The only one I don't know about is Drake May, because Williams and Daniels are not. They've mm-hmm. already said no, and McCarthy's throwing, Penix is throwing. Those guys are throwing. I'm anxious to watch McCarthy because he's got a chance to help himself some. But Drake May, if I'm Drake May, I'm throwing. I got a if I got a Howard Stern stuff, I'm going to throw. 
So that all starts this week. We're going to do evil Eric DaCosta coming up at the bottom of the hour. Any questions for Eric DaCosta is played by Vinny Serrato. We're doing it at 1030. So get in here at 410 5831057. Orioles split squad today against the Braves and the Rays. We'll give you the lineups here as we get them. Terps win yesterday. Too little, too late, perhaps for Kevin Willard's crew. And the Combine. Ravens have the 30th pick in the draft. Do they trade out? Do they stay steady? What are they looking for if they stay at 30? Vinny and Haiti, put your headphones in and ignore your co-workers. 105.7 The Fan. Well, it's something that just we just we haven't just started thinking about it, obviously. It's something we've been thinking about. Justin had a great year, as did Patrick Queen. Co-bowlers, uh, great seasons, and uh, we'll have a good plan in place for those guys. Derek DaCosta a few weeks back talking about Justin Matabike and the other free agents pending for the Ravens, and there are plenty of those. Now that the salary cap has been announced at $255.4 million per club, the tag numbers are now out there. Justin Matabike, if the Ravens franchise him, which we think they will, $22.1 million. And that's all cap. And, I mean, because it's a one-year deal and – it's $22.1 million and your cap number is $22.1. If you did a long-term deal with him, they probably get a cap number around $5, 6000000 million. So, I mean, you know, cap savings. And I would imagine Eric's working his ass off to try to get a deal done with him because it makes total sense. He's young, gotten better every year. He's productive. He's a great guy. I don't know the negative of not unless they're just asking for the moon. Fifth-year option for Adafi Owe would be fourteen and a half million dollars. I'm not. I'm not doing that at at all. I, I mean, uh, I don't. I don't. I just don't see the product. What am I getting? Five sacks a year. That's that's what I'm going to get. You know, I need better than that. You know, I mean, he he can run around. He looks pretty running and stuff. But you got to get me some sacks. You're going into your fifth year. You know. I'm I'm paying for something. I'm not paying. Uh, I, I'm. Your job is to get sacks, all right. And right now, you don't do that, and you hadn't done that. You didn't do it in college. And then, then that's the big thing is is, you know, do why do we expect him to get ten? He's never been close. In not his anymore. Life. I was on that train last year, and he got what three? Yeah, I was on like a seven or eight. Just because I figured Chuck Smith would be able to help him, but he just—he's not natural. That's the biggest problem with him. You know, he doesn't have natural bend. He does have a, a nice spin move at time, but he just—it's just too mechanical. It's just not natural when he rushes. Whereas, like you know, you watch Clowney and those guys. You know, you watch Van Oy rush. They just natural with their hands and their hips, and they got loose hips. And you know, they can do counters. They're really smart. And, and from what we hear about Owe, he works his ass off. He does all those things, but he's just not a natural rusher. I mean, it is what it is. He has 13 sacks in three years. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I that would be I, – I don't see Eric putting the tag on him. How do you justify putting the tag on him? I, I, I couldn't uh, do that. I mean, money's got to be spent in better places. Same draft, fifth-year option on Rashad Bateman, $14.3 million. No, uh, you can't do that. 
There, there's no way that you can do that. And he's got to prove himself. He's got to prove himself. Um, you know, I mean, pro, pro football focus or all those things, they're, all the analytical stuff about how he's open and all that, all that's great. But what are you catching? You know, you got to – that's why he and Lamar got to figure something out. I mean, if Lamar's not going to throw to him and Lamar's not confident in him, then you should trade him. But I, I don't think that's happening. I mean, Harbs came out right away saying he's our starter. I mean, does he have starting ability? Absolutely. He just needs to get the best into a float. The best we saw of Rashad Bateman was his rookie year. That was the best we saw of him when he had a bunch of yak. He was their best yak runner and stuff. Now he, he doesn't get a lot of he, He's like number four. Right. Well, Last year, 22, he averaged almost 20 yards of reception in the yep. first seven games. But through his career, we're three years in with him, too. 93 catches, 1,106. This is for his career, not for a season. 93 catches, 1,167 yardage, 12 and a half per, four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, it's the production's not, not good enough. And he, he did stay healthy this year, but... He needs to get the ball more, and he needs to have the confidence of the quarterback. That's the whole thing. I, I would love – Harb's going to be asked about it. I'm sure Eric's going to be asked about Bateman um, again this week, and Harb's, Harbs is going to be adamant again, just like he was the other uh, couple weeks ago. He's our starter. He and Flowers are the starters. You know, and then, and then Aguilar's going to be the third. But I think if I'm Harbs and I'm Eric – I'm suggesting you go to Florida and you guys work out whatever issues you have and get on the same page. Is there a lack of trust, perhaps, between Lamar? I mean, right out of the gate, he was all over his eight flowers, throwing no the ball. South Florida, he's they they knew each, you know. And then with uh, um, the thing with uh, Andrews was. He, you know, he threw it to Andrews all the time. And then, like you said last week, Bob, once Andrews got hurt and likely came in, boom, it's just, I don't know if it's as much as it's Andrews or it's the position. Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, likely he's getting the same amount of catches. He goes from, you know, struggling to getting eight balls a game. Whereas, he, yeah, he had a monster run. Yeah. After and, and Andrews Bateman, got hurt. And Bateman, it never changed. It never changed. So um, you just, a lot of times, Bateman looks like he's checked out during the games. And, and you know, probably just like, you know, like I'm supposed to be the primary receiver. They don't even look at me. Yeah. You know, why? why You know, so there's some issue. There's something that is not right there. But to the point of him, you know, he's trying, we guess, Jonah Schaefer, who we had on Friday from uh, the Baltimore Banner, did the film breakdown you know. of Bateman's routes. Apparently he was open a lot and was just, were they dummy routes or Lamar? I mean, the playoff game, the triple uh, triple coverage pick to likely Bateman was wide open on the right side in the corner of the end zone. Yeah, Bateman was running a, a double move and he was, he was like half a step ahead. But if you're throwing a deep ball and you're a quarterback or you're a receiver coach, if you're even, you're leaving. Just give him a chance. Because he's going to outrun him, you know. So, 
There, there's an issue there because he turned him down, and he had to bend the primary because Lamar dropped back, looked right at him, and then pulled it down and then threw it late down to likely. So, I mean, it's like, come on. You know, if that would have been Odell, he's throwing it. Flowers, he's giving him the chance. Probably even a running back, he gives him the chance. Justice Hill. But he wouldn't with Bateman. And, and I, I don't uh, I don't quite get it. I don't quite get it. There's some issue between the two guys that they got to get worked out. We got evil Eric DaCosta, played by Vinny Serrato, coming up next. He will, the real one, will meet with the media tomorrow, pretty much in 24 hours. Ted 30 at Indy, and then John Harbaugh will meet at 11.15. We'll get to evil Harbs later in the show. But you're a member of the media. We're giving you your credential. You're coming in. You're going to Indy. You're asking questions of Eric DaCosta. Maybe some questions that the media that's going to be assembled won't ask him. You've had any questions, whether it's about free agency, whether it's about the draft. I mean, if you want to revisit the playoff loss to Kansas City, that's on you. The floor is yours, everybody. Evil Eric DaCosta is played by Vinny Serrato. Coming up next, Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. Vinny and Hades. Vinny and Hades. Evil Twins. Delve into the dark side of sports on 105.7 The Fan. Good evening, Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. Tomorrow, out in Indianapolis, NFL Combine, Eric DaCosta, Ravens GM, and John Harbaugh, Ravens head coach, going to meet with the media. First time we have heard from them since the end of season press conference. Following the AFC Championship loss to the Chiefs, which, by the way, was all almost a month ago. It was uh, January 28th. Today's the 26th. Damn. Got opening day coming up on March 28th in a little more than a month. But, yes, the Ravens season has been over for almost a month. Now it's all about preparing for 2024. We know what happened in 23. Number one seed made it to the AFC Championship game for the first time in 11 years. Lamar won another MVP, his second. Had a bunch of pro bowlers, which is great. But they got a bunch of free agents that need to be addressed. Now we get to the combine. So, Nolan McGraw, I will defer to you to ask the first question here. If you want to ask Eric DaCosta a question, played by Vinny Serrato, who's even wearing an Eric DaCosta mask, as we sit here on this Monday, 410-583-1057. You're all pissed off about what happened at the end of the year. Here's Eric to answer questions. Nolan, we're going to hand you the mic press conference style. Yeah, we'll start with Eric here. Uh, it seems like every year, talking about wide receiver, last year you made a lot of moves, drafted a guy, signed some free agents. How would you assess the state of the wide receiver room right now? I like our – we have three guys basically under contract, right? And Tylen Wallace, we have four. I like our room right now. Do we need to improve it some yet? Yeah, absolutely. But with Bateman and with Zay Flowers and Aguilar, we've got three guys that have played a lot for us and made a lot of plays for us. So um, I don't expect to go get another $15 million a year type guy. Um, So we will look to probably the draft to help us there to get some more depth. Now, staying with wide receiver. Oh, by the way, it's Bob Hayden, 105.7 The Fan. How you doing, Eric? Yes, Bob. I'm doing great. Um, Bateman, you mentioned him. Yep. Entering his fourth year. We just, well, we talked about it on Vinny and Haney, his fifth year option. 
you don't want to, I guess, divulge too much of that sort of business at this stage because it doesn't benefit you. But how would you assess Bateman in particular three years into his career, still waiting for him to uh, – are you happy with his development at this stage, I guess? we The injuries have affected his development, but he played 17 games this year, and he he made improvements. It doesn't show – statistically a lot, but he he is an excellent route runner and he will be a starter for us next year. So we are expecting a big year from him next year. Now, Eric, next uh, Tuesday is the franchise tag deadline. Uh, seems that everyone is kind of assuming that if you'll use the tag, it'll be on Justin Matabike. Uh, can you shed any light on that? The contract talks with him. Uh, do you feel comfortable using the tag if it got to that? Well, like I said at the earlier press conference, um, I, what I learned doing the Lamar thing is that I'm not going to, you know, divulge any of the contract negotiations. But um, let me just say, Justin Matabike, he'll be on the Ravens next year. Running back room right now, Eric, seems to be pretty barren at this time with uh, Justice Hill under contract. A lot of free agent potential there. Number one rushing team in the NFL, again, uh, area of importance this offseason. Is it possibly something that could be addressed via free agency? Yeah, we're going to look at everything because basically we got to redo the room. All we have is Justice Hill, you know, and Keaton Mitchell, but Keaton's, Keaton's hurt don't know for sure when he'll be back so we have justice hill if we were to line up to play today we have justice hill so we need to look at everything you know we'll we'll evaluate free agency we'll evaluate draft and then we'll make the best decision for the ravens go over to the o-line here Uh, a lot of uncertainty at that position really just because tyler linderbaum is your only guy that's uh guaranteed to be there right now uh any thoughts there on the rest of the room, how that could shake out? Is that a priority in the draft for you, addressing the O-line? O-line is one of the most critical things. You know, I've said it time and time again. We've got to have a strong offensive line because we love to run the football. And Lamar, we need the protection for Lamar also. So we just need to get Ronnie healthy. We need to get uh, Moses healthy. Um, so... We will look at the draft more so than free agency for offensive line help. Staying on the offensive line, your confidence level in the returning younger players entering their second and third year with the team. Well, they've made some they've made some development. They need to take the next step to, to be able to be a consistent starter. Do we know that they can be a consistent starter yet? Still evaluating that. There'll be competition. You know, Kevin Zeitler's a free agent. Simpson's a free agent. So there's going to be competition there. There's jobs to be won there. But as, um, we will, like I just said earlier, we will add more people into that room. Now, the official uh, salary cap numbers came out late last week. Uh, the projections seem to be a little bit less. It exceeded that. Uh was this about where you thought it would be? Did it surprise you at all, the, the actual cap number here? I think it surprised everybody. Um, everybody, we were kind of working off of 245, somewhere in that vicinity, right around there. So it's $10 million above what it was. So is that a pleasant surprise? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a nice surprise. 
And are we able to use that money? Yeah, yes, we are. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. It's Evo Eric DaCosta is played by Vinny Serrato. Eric's going to meet with the media tomorrow, 1030. If you want to get in, you can at 410-583-1057. Looking at the losses of coaches here. You lost your defensive coordinator, now the head coach in Seattle. A bunch of assistant coaches became coordinators elsewhere with success comes you know people want to imitate your level of success uh how are things going in regards to replacing the coaches who have left the nest yeah and and don't forget joe hortiz left too so uh, you know that was that was you know my right hand guy but um like like you just said uh bob with success people want to want to take guys because they've been successful and they want to do what you've been doing so you got to look at it as you know, people like the way you do things, so they want to take your people. So does it make it difficult for us? Absolutely, it makes it difficult for us. And now John's out there looking to replace his assistant coaches, and, you know, I'll deal with Joe Hortiz's situation after the draft. We've got definitely we got great capable people of doing that from now through the draft. Um but the coaches, yeah, John, you, you probably easier to ask John when you talk to John about where he stands with the coaching hires and, and which direction he's going to go. Uh, well, that was going to ask another one about the coaching here, so I'm, I might be tapped out, to be honest. But uh, Jerry Rossberg, we heard earlier in the Take the microphone away from him. <laughs> Who is this guy? Uh, we'll get in here. Jerry Rossberg. Uh, there was reports on, Jerry that he Coleman. might be uh, – uh, yeah, what's your thoughts on Taylor Swift? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rosberg might be returning to the organization. It seemed to be that that was rumored for a day or two. Then it fizzled out. Can you shed any light on that at all? Oh, there's not a lot. It, it um, It's kind of like free agency. You know, it takes two to tango. And um, the contract situation just didn't work out. Backup quarterback, real quick, because I know you're a busy man, Eric DaCosta. Malik Cunningham was brought in late from New England. Expectations for him moving forward with your other quarterbacks outside of Lamar, obviously, hitting free agents. Yeah, the the thing that's tough is, as you look at it, when you have a $52 million a year quarterback, it's it's hard to go spend 5 to $8 million on a backup. So you've got to have cheap labor there. And – you know, knock on wood, Lamar stayed healthy the whole time, and Huntley got uh, basically a free game with Pittsburgh because Lamar didn't need to play. Um, so we will we will evaluate what's out there, but cost is going to be very prohibitive for what we can do. And last question, based on the Ravens' draft needs, the depth of the draft in those particular positions, are you satisfied with the uh, potential talent pool here? Yeah, the offensive line is real deep, which is which is a good thing. There's a lot of good secondary people, which is another good thing. Uh, but there's a lot of guys that we like, and there'll be there'll be good depth throughout the whole draft. I mean, Eric always says that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Vinny and Haney, one zero five seven. The fan. If you want to get in, you can at four ten five eight three one zero five seven. Orioles are split squad in today. Tampa and the Braves. We have the lineups. I will give those to you when we come back. Game start at one. We'll keep you up to date, of course. 
on the scores in our final hour of the show. Terps win yesterday at Rutgers. Not exactly the most aesthetically pleasing basketball contest you'll ever want to see, but it's a win nonetheless. Northwestern coming up on Wednesday night, so you got to start stacking for sure. Anything else you want to get into? The Cowbite starts this week. Ravens have holes to fill. They have eight draft picks, including the 30th overall pick. Until the Gold Club opens. Make it rain. Vinny and Haney. Better grab an umbrella. 1057 The Fan. Orioles undefeated. Spring training 2 0. They went Saturday, walk off style. Kowser with the bomb there. Corbin Burns looked good. Adley Homer did his first at bat. And then yesterday, behind Cole Irvin and a bunch of other arms, they shut out the Pirates. Two to zip. Split squad today. Both games at 105. Let's see. Orioles at Sarasota. That one is against Tampa, it looks like. So that'll be Mullins in right field. Rutschman uh, behind a plate. Hayes left field. Arias at second. Kobe Mayo at third. Maton at shortstop. The former Tiger made a great play defensively yesterday. Sam Hilliard, he's got wheels. He's the DH. Tyler Nevin had a couple of knocks. He's at first base. Colton Kalser, who hit that game-winning homer on Saturday. He's in right, or I guess Mullins is in, must be a rock typo. Got two right fielders here. I'm going to do the Colombo and assume that Kalser's in right, and Mullins will be in center, even though Kalser can play center field. Now, in Northport against the Braves, Ryan McKenna, center field, Santander's a DH. Westberg's at third. O'Hearn is cleaning up at first base. Heston Kerstad, he had a knock yesterday. He's in left field. Jackson Holliday's at second base. Kyle Stowers, he's in right field. Diego Castillo is your shortstop. And then Michael Perez is behind the plate. Seth Johnson, he's going to be on the hill. He was acquired during the flurry of trade deadline activity in 2022. Coming back from Tommy John surgery, but there's a really big upside them there with him. So you got Cade Povich and Seth Johnson both pitching today. Neither is going to make the team coming out of Florida, but both could have an opportunity perhaps to pitch in Baltimore in 24. Maybe Cade Povich has more of the inside track there. By the way, if you wonder what the Braves are doing, because believe it or not, you can bet on <laughs> exhibition baseball. Uh, but Ronald Acuna. He's pretty good. He's in right field. Ozzy Albies, he's he's all right, too. He's at second base. Austin Riley, yeah, he's pretty good, too. He's at third. Matt Olson, yeah, yeah, damn, they got a pretty good team here. And then Marcelo Sr.'s a DH. Michael Harris is in center field. Travis D'Arnaud's behind the plate. Jared Kelnick, remember they got him from Seattle in the offseason. He's in left field. And then Orlando Arcia is your shortstop. And then the always fun and exciting Max Freed is on the hill for the Bravos. Max Freed's a very, very talented pitcher. Been dealing with some injury issues over the last uh, couple seasons to some level. But Nolan, in these split squad games, everybody gets to play. It's just uh, like, let's see, Hyder's going to be in, let's see, Northport. And uh, Freddie Gonzalez is going to be in Sarasota. So you got to split the team up a little bit. But I'm interested to see Povich or listen to what they did, Povich and Seth Johnson, and how they performed today, not making any absolute determinations, by the way, based on performance, good or bad. 
Yeah, pretty cool. Two guys you got in those trades that went down a couple years back, the Mancini trade, the Jorge Lopez trade. And what a lineup. I mean, Seth Johnson might only throw an inning or two, but what a lineup to face the Braves. You just listed it off there. I don't think there's a weakness one through nine for them. Grace Rodriguez will start tomorrow, and then D. Kramer would get the nod on Wednesday. Tyler Wells expected to start Thursday or Friday. We'll be talking more about the Birds of Baltimore here with John Mioli from the Baltimore Banner. Cage, uh, excuse me, uh, Cole Irvin's outstanding uh, performance. Got the whip around 11.15. What happened in the world of sports over the weekend? A lot. And then evil John Harbaugh coming up at 11.30. But big sports news that made some controversial uh, topics the uh, Filipowski thing, Wake Forest against Duke. Yep. Nolan, did you see it? Did you see the highlights yeah, of it? I, I mean, did. I was actually watching the game, you know, because, you know, you're looking for someone to watch on a Saturday. And, you know, Duke lost, which was great. You know what I mean? I don't I don't feel the joy as much as I used to because Maryland's not in the ACC yep. anymore. Maryland hasn't played them in forever. But when they lose, it's always cool. I said to my wife, first thing, I said, it looked like he stuck his leg out. And try to trip the dude. Now, I am not I am not a victim blamer, which is a popular thing, I guess, in the eyes of some people. Because him getting hurt sucked. Now, the severity of said injury, we don't know yet. Right. They haven't announced that he's missing any time. He was helped off the court in Winston-Salem. But we saw Caitlin Clark get nudged about a month or so ago. Yeah. Yeah, and we've seen court storming lead to some interesting uh, after effects. I mean, I've never... I mean, I don't care. I mean, but if I'm a student, you I mean you got to look at it from their eyes too. Yep, it's like, yep. I mean, it's a big event. Places going bananas. You just be, they probably solidified them getting to the tournament. By the way, because they needed a quality win like that, Wake Forest. But by and large, the court, the field, the ring, the ice, yeah, should be for the players, right? Unless it's like pregame or something. That's that's just me. I'm not trying to buzzkill anybody. I've here. always been pro court storming. Okay. I think it's one of the cool traditions for college basketball. Uh, but when something like this happens, you gotta you gotta take a look at it. I think I'm looking more at the security. The hey, you can't hold these guys back for another second or two. I mean, at least give at least give the opposing team a chance to line up and start walking through the tunnel. It's hard if it's like a you know a shot that wins it kind of thing. Right, you know, that's but, what basketball is tough. You know, kind of thing. I mean, if you're because it's usually a end of the game big shot kind of thing that oh that you know and it's an upset at home. So ah, you know, I don't. Do I have a problem with it? Because you know, if if you're blowing a person out, you can say you know no courts. You know, but an announcer can't even. You can't say anything. And security, those guys are just hired. They're. The guys that are working there, they're retired old guys. They're not stopping these students that are coming, running down. I just look at, like, Maryland, for example. And you'll see it on TV sometimes, you know, Maryland's playing a a big opponent. The Yellow Jacket guys, the security, and there's tons of them. And they line the sides and they line at the bottom of the wall. And they don't even stare at the – they're staring at the crowd. Right. And they've got – they're not going to stop them. The kids are getting through, but yep. you got to well, give that see, five seconds. You when know? when the game's starting to tick down and the the mm-hmm. results imminent, yeah. they're already like In they're the like oh, they're, they're on your mark. Oh, they're ready to go. Oh yeah, they see it coming. 
Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't even think Dirty Harry and uh, Mannix could stop that sort of court storming. But you know I, I, I mean? don't, you know, how many times do you got to do it during it? How many big games do you got? Right. You know, I mean, I, you know, if you're doing it three or four times, come on. I think there should just be etiquette for court storming. And I, there's no, like, class you can take on it, but it's almost like you go to Let a concert. Let the opposing team get off the right. floor at least. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Let but them hit the tunnel. It's like you go to a concert and there's a mosh pit, right? People want to have a good time. They're pushing, shoving. If someone falls down, you stop and you pick them up. So the court storming. Let the, them get off the court. You've been in a mosh pit? Oh, yeah. Plenty. For what band? Tons of bands. Name one. Death Grips. Who? There, exactly. That's why. That's why I don't name these bands because you're Death the, Grips. Who? who? They're not a featured artist Friday candidate, by the way. Oh, with too much profanity. Uh, it yeah, sounds just like? a bit. It'd be a little abrasive. <laughs> I just, it, I'm actually kind of flummoxed here that you would be into the mosh pit sort of thing. It's a good time. You seem very 180 from a mosh pit guy. In my younger days. Sure. No, right. I, well, no. I used to bang my head at heavy metal concerts, you know what I mean, when my hair was a little bit longer. But, nah, I would hurt, like, hurt myself doing something stupid like that. The but only anyway, the only field that – when we played Miami, the, they stormed the field after, and it was crazy. I mean, players, everybody was, you know, caught up out there on the field. Football is weird because it's – well, it's a lot bigger, obviously. More room to move around. More people. But, right. Yeah, it's, uh, I feel like you get lost – in that kind of commotion. Yeah, they frown upon that sort of thing nowadays in football. NFL. Look at baseball. I mean, remember yeah. Chris Chambliss couldn't give him around yeah. the bases yeah. when he had the game winner yeah. against yeah. Kansas City? Yeah. Yeah. Or Reggie when he was running off the field in the 77 World Series? No, 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 no. They used to roll out and rip the goalpost down back in the olden days. Yes, they, they do did. not want any of that sort of thing happening nowadays but anyway if you have an issue with court storming feel free to share your opinions here if you think it's cool that's fine too it's only a matter of opinion it's video at haiti 1057 the fan when we come back talk orioles with john mioli from the baltimore banner whip around talk about this busy weekend in the world of sports and some historical things took place on this day february 26th and then it's evil john harbaugh the real john harbaugh was enjoying some nba basketball last night in indianapolis along with his brother but we're going to talk to him by way of Vinny as they're going to be meeting with the media tomorrow live from Indianapolis. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Their experience in sports varies. Of course, uh, Vinny's got uh, experience in the NFL, and I sucked at uh, electric football. Vinny and Haney, 1057 Fan. Vinny and Haney, 1057 The Fan here on this Monday. Orioles split squad it today, Tampa and Atlanta. Gave you the lineups last segment. Do it again later before the 1 o'clock pitches in two different destinations. Bob Haney, Vinny Serrato, Nolan McGraw, other side of the glass. Orioles are 2-0. You want to count them wins, and yes, you can. You can battle on exhibition baseball. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. But then again, we all like to use a couple extra bucks in the pocket there. But here to talk about the Orioles, what we've seen through two games, what we might be looking forward to over the next five weeks or so 
from the Baltimore Banner. He's on the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Let's welcome back to the show, John Mioli. John, what's happening, buddy? Not much. Good morning. How's everything up there? Everything is awesome. Matter of fact, it's not, not a bad day weather-wise here in the Charm City. But let's talk about Cole Irvin yesterday as he had himself a pretty strong game. We know he dropped a few LBs. The workout regimen was uh, intense. He's been doing more lifting. And I guess we saw it with that velo a little bit yesterday. So it's only two innings, one performance. We know about Braddish. We know about Means. But the in- the importance level of Cole Irvin now sits at a what to you right now? Oh, he's very important at this point. And, and, and I think that, you know, the experience he had last year, you know, coming in not pitching super well from the jump and, you know, his season never really getting back on track the way they wanted to. It seems like it was really motivating. Um, you know, I after the game, we talked to James McCann about it as well. You know, every pitcher comes in with new pitches and different this and better that. And, you know, McCann mentioned the only way to tell if they worked or not is, is based on how the hitters react. And he said the hitters were reacting pretty uncomfortably to Cole Irvin. If he can be, you know, a more solid back end rotation piece, and you know, as a floor, I think that changes a lot of how the Orioles enter the season in terms of how they're thinking about their rotation stacking up and who they expect to be in it, stuff like that. So it was, you know, it's one outing. A lot of guys come in. This is as strong and as healthy they're going to be, and some, you know, velocity can regress to a mean. But you know, after one start, you're not going to, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to be very disappointed with what where Cole Irvin is right now. Now. Tyler Wells, he's going to start in a couple of days here. And great first half, not so much in the second half to the point where he actually was uh, sent back to the minors and then came back and was an asset in the bullpen. What happened to him in the second half of the season in 23? Not to reflect on that sort of thing too much, but he went from, what, the lowest whip in the American League as a starting pitcher to being in the minors and now coming back into this rotation sort of set up by circumstance. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I think I think that it was probably a pretty humbling experience. You know, he he straight up wore out a little bit last year. You know, it happens, but but you're not talking about you know reinstalling somebody into the rotation who you don't know if they could do it or not. Like by all means, he can. He did it really well. He, there's there's a universe and probably pretty close to the one we live in where he was an all star last year. Um, so so you know you you take what happens you know in the second half seriously, but also you know you take what happened in the first half seriously, and I think that. I think that there's a real opportunity for him to remain in the rotation, especially now with uh, the Kyle Bradish injury and and how things have shaken out with with those kinds of things. And I think that I think that it's going to be really fascinating to see how well he takes it. Um, you know, my gut tells me that based on you know how he can be when he's at his best, it could go pretty well this spring for him. Now, uh, Craig Kimbrell yesterday shot it down himself, five pitchers short of his limit in the bullpens. It was a quad. You know, guys like me don't have muscles anymore, John, so I don't even know what a quad is at this point in time. But nothing to see here. Please disperse with Craig Kimball because that's the last thing I'm assuming they could use right now. Yeah, definitely want Craig Kimball to be healthy. Um, you know, he downplayed it when he was talking to reporters. Um, everyone was kind of there and saw it but on Saturday but didn't know if what they were seeing was, was a big deal. By all um, my understanding, as, as I was leaving the – the complex come to the airport today was that he's still throwing his scheduled sim game today so you wouldn't be doing that if there was even like a half ounce of concern at this stage in camp so the fact that he is the fact that he is going on with his scheduled work i think speaks well to you know whatever was he was dealing with this weekend not being super a super major thing and and you know 
he he has big shoes to fill, and, and behind if they had to fill, you know, Craig Kimbrell's shoes as well. Who knows what we're dealing with here? John Mioli, Baltimore Banner, joining us here. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. The two guys starting today in the split squad, Cade Povich, left-hander, Seth Johnson, right-hander, coming back from Tommy John, a little more than a year removed, I guess, from that. Give our audience an assessment of the two guys. Not going to be here on March 28th, we don't think, but who's most likely maybe to throw baseball in anger for the Orioles this season? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say Cade Povich, even though Seth Johnson's on the roster, he's very, very inexperienced relative to, to somebody else in that position because of his injury history and, and you know, relative inexperienced pitching. He only converted, you know, his draft year, basically. So when you're talking about him, you're talking about, you know, a very athletic right-hander, runs the ball up into the mid-90s with a couple of good secondary pitches, really just trying to get him as much experience as the Orioles possibly can. Um and then Cade Povich is a, you know, a really talented left-hander with a pretty wide pitch mix who's trying his best to um, to make this team. He he got his feet under him a good bit in AAA yesterday last year and was really, um, you know, is, is really somebody the organization is very high on. Hey John, with um, Enrique Bradfield, with that infield single that he had to ground her to short, how fast did he look? And then stealing the base too, is he a natural base stealer? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's so it's so impressive how how he how he moves on the field, you know, and and, and talking to people in the off season about him as he, they were getting ready for his first full season, you know, they're they're so impressed with how he runs and, and how he plays center field, you know. If, if there's if there's any kind of ability to impact the baseball and put it in the air, um, we're talking about a player who can make a tremendous impact, you know. And, and you know, these are the types of glimpses I think there's going to be all spring, honestly, from him. He's a guy who he's a guy who is probably going to get a lot of reps in those late innings. Um, out, out in the outfield, and if he gets on base, he's going to steal the next one. I think it's pretty guaranteed. Now, Bauman, you know, um, in the Boston game, he, he had a, a good inning, and Ben was talking about that he wore out last year, you know, because at the beginning of the year they had to use him so much, but uh, he looked good. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that was an impressive inning, and I think that I think that a lot of what the Orioles did in terms of some of the recent waiver claims in their minor league free agent pitching signing to you know, all those depth arms, like I think they're gonna be in a better spot of giving guys like Mike Bauman, Brian Baker, Danny Coulomb, um, and on down the line a little bit of a break because those guys, you know, there weren't really alternatives. So when they're going well you ride them and when they weren't going well, unfortunately the Orioles had to had to keep these guys up there and, and, and kinda have them power through it at the major league level in a way that you know, isn't probably conducive to them being at their best for for a long season. So, so I, I you know it's a great learning experience for Mike, who's pretty still pretty new to the bullpen, honestly. And um, and I think that he's probably going to come back. He's going to come back having learned from that and be able to grind it out deeper into the season. John Mioli, what's happening at the Baltimore Banner now that spring training games have started? Gosh, so much. Danielle Allen, Tuck, and Andy Kosker are going to be down here uh, for for the duration. I might rejoin them later in the month. We'll talk with the. Uh, my household operations department about that, but I wrote I wrote this morning about uh, you know an enduring question that I've always had whether Ryan Mountcastle is an older guy or a younger guy, uh, and the results in the Orioles clubhouse are fascinating. <laughs> well, compared to me and Vinny, he's a really young guy. You know what I'm saying? By the way, looking at this Braves lineup, they're pretty damn good. But I'm just stating the obvious. He's John Mioli, Baltimore Banner. John, appreciate the time as always. We'll catch up with you soon. 
right. Thanks a lot. We'll talk soon. You All right, John. It's and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. We'll come back. It's the whip around what happened in the world of sports last night. Some pretty cool stuff happened historically, too. We'll get into all of that and more. And then evil John Harbaugh. This is your chance to talk to the Ravens head coaches, played by Vinny Serrato, coming up at 11.30. Got a fun house trip, Nolan McGraw, 11.45. And then news from the nest coming up at noon. The NFL Combine starts this week. Hey, T. Higgins, tag your it in Cincinnati. Vinny and Hades with Brought to you by Box Hill Pizzeria and Crab Cakes. The best crab cakes in Harford County. 1057 The Fan. Vinny and Hades, 1057 The Fan here on this Monday. It's the whip around. You want to get in, you can at 4 583 1057 Going to pay a visit to Evil. John Harbaugh is played by Vinny Serrato. If you were interviewing John Harbaugh tomorrow in Indianapolis, what questions would you ask? Well, you can ask him today. So get in here at 410-583-1057. We just talked about this with John Mioli. Orioles split squadnet against the Braves and the Rays. Games start in the 1 o'clock hour. We'll keep you up to date on the scores during the final hour of the show. The Turf beat Rutgers yesterday, 63-46. to Julian Reeves, 20 Jordan Geronimo, double-double. Jameer Young had 12. Terps will be hosting Northwestern on Wednesday night, which you can hear it on the fan. We'll talk more about this with Jeff Ehrman coming up at 1230. Look, these are the two worst offensive teams in the Big Ten. Maryland, listen to this. If you missed the game or you didn't hear it on the fan, shot 41% from the field, 31% from beyond the arc, 62% from the free throw line and turned it over 14 times and won by 17 points. So how bad is Rutgers? They had 18 at halftime. But then again, they beat Maryland at College Park, so can't pop off too much. But anyway, Maryland's got three regular season games left where they will play in the Big Ten tournament, which is in Minnesota this year. Remains to be seen, so stay tuned for that. Speaking of the Big Ten, a little college basketball fun for you. Purdue, number three in the country, beat Michigan 84-76 last night. Zach Eady, 35-15 and 15 there. Let's see. Nebraska beat Minnesota 73-55. to 55. How about that? The mayor. The mayor getting it done, baby. Ohio State beat Michigan State 60-57. to 57. Uh, Top 25. Hey, Rick Pitino, ragging on your players, I guess, worked out for you after all. Yeah. As they beat number 15, Creighton, 80-66. to 66. Creighton's coming off a blow-off, blowout win against UConn. Number one in the country, the zany college basketball stuff. His March Madness is literally a couple weeks away. Let's see. Locally, it was Navy, 76-66 over Holy Cross. And then Boston, you beat Loyola, 82 to 79 in the NBA last night. The Wizards blow a big, well, they didn't blow a big lead, but they blew a lead late against the Cavaliers and lose 114-105. Jordan Poole now coming off the bench. He had 31. Hey, out west last night, battle of uh, interesting West Conference, Western Conference teams, Sacramento and the Clips. And how about old Red Velvet doing some damage? Omas now with his eighth rebound. Here's Herder. Red Velvet. A little skip to my Lou action. Count it. Red Velvet. That's NBC Sports California on the call. Kevin Herter pumping in 15 with three boards, two assists. Aaron Fox at 33 to lead the way. But Demonis Sabonis, eh, triple-double. Another day at the office for him. Sacramento 123-107 
over the Clippers. It was Indiana, 133-111 over Dallas in front of the Harbaugh's. Jalen Smith, Maryland, Baltimore, Mount St. Joe, who just won the uh, Catholic League, I think, again. I don't even know if it's still called the Catholic League, but you get it. 2.6 boards to assist. Miles Turner led the way there with 33. Atlanta going to be without Trey Young for a month as he's got a torn ligament there in his finger. 109-92 over Orlando. Bruno Fernando, former Terp, at seven points aboard four assists there. Oklahoma City, they beat Houston 123-110. to Aaron Wiggins, Maryland, had two rebounds, a steal and a block shot. Cam Whitmore, Baltimore, Villanova. Archbishop Spalding, yeah, 12 points. Three boards there. Nolan's favorite player, Shea Gilgis Alexander, had 36. Uh, I'm guessing this guy better be in the MVP conversation. Plays for one of the best teams in the league. He's the best player on one of the best teams in the league. Usually, you start connecting those dots. You get that sort of potential result on the ice tonight. Capitals are hosting the Senators. Caps, tough overtime loss Saturday against Florida. Still 26-21-9. They're chasing, though, man. They're eight points out of that last wild card. Yeah. Well, the thing about it is, Bob, um, because the two wild card teams are from the other part of the division, Detroit and Tampa, the Caps are only six points behind Philly for the third spot. You know, so they're six points behind, and Philly's played two more games than them. They got to win. I mean, they, they play tonight, and then tomorrow is Detroit, and Detroit is in the wild card spot. And then Friday they play Philly. I mean, after Friday, Bob, if they lose them all or if, if they can win them all, then the trade deadline's coming up on the 8th. If, if they have a bad week, they're going to be sellers. If they have a great week, maybe they add a piece, you know, depending on how long Oshie's going to be out. So it's a huge, huge week for the Caps starting tonight. But they played good against Florida. They lost in overtime. So they're they're playing pretty decent hockey. I mean, that's a tough – Florida's really good, and that's a tough place to play down there. Yeah, speaking of Detroit, Patrick Kane got the game winner in overtime against his old team, the Blackhawks. Yeah, yesterday. what was pretty cool was – they were retiring Chelios's jersey in Chicago, in Chicago, and he played for Detroit too. That's why they retired it. You know, Gretzky, everybody who is somebody was there, and then Kane, being a Chicago guy, Bob, he gets the game winner in overtime, and then because he, he's a real cocky guy, so he's out on the ice and twenty one thousand fans. They're giving him a standing ovation that they beat the Blackhawks. <laughs> Vinny at Haiti, 1057 The fan, it's the whip around here on this Monday. This day in sports history. Well, this one kind of took two days. We're going back to 1989. It started on the 25th of February, rolled into the 26th. But Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys from Bum Bright. And then fired And then fired Tom Landry. And I think Tech Schramm got the old audios, too. Yeah, did Gil, too? I I think he he cleaned house. And then, I mean, it was a flurry. I mean, for our younger listeners there. Tom Landry was the only coach in Cowboys history up to that point since their inception going back to 1960. And they were sucking, let's be honest. And the game had probably passed him by. By the way, as an aside, Tom Landry turns 100 this year if he was still with us. But anyway, so Jimmy Johnson came in after a brutal 89. They got better in 90. And then 91 made the playoffs. And then 92 won the Super Bowl and would start a run where they won three out of four. But as Cowboy fans are quick to point out, they haven't won one since, coming up on almost 30 years now. It just seemed like 
not that long ago. No, like yesterday. Yeah. That sort of thing. Crazy. But Jerry Jones, now 82 years old, still rocking and rolling in He'll Big D. He'll be at D. the Combine, Bob. This uh, day in Maryland history, let's go back to 1975, February 26th. Cole Fieldhouse, second-ranked Maryland, beat number 11, Clemson, 70-64. to Brad Davis, freshman, had 20. Owen Brown, rest in peace, at 18-12. and 12. Tom Roy, he had 12 boards as well. 1983 at Cole Fieldhouse, Maryland beat Wake Forest, 83-75. Ben Coleman, who started at Minnesota, by the way. 24 and 13. Adrian Branch at 18. Jet back in 17. And a freshman forward from uh, Landover. Len Bias had 13 points on this night. 1984, 40 years ago against 15th ranked weight at Cole. Uh, ben Coleman again, 26. Adrian Branch, 17. Atkins and Bias both had 16 each as Maryland was getting hot at the right time heading into the ACC tournament. And on this day in 2024, 24 years ago, oh my God. 19th ranked Maryland beat North Carolina 81-73. Juan Dixon, 23. Terrence Moore, 16 points, 9 boards. Steve Blake had 10 points and 5 assists. That all happened on this date, February 26th, and various different years. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. We'll come back. It's Evil John Harbaugh. We have John Harbaugh here, kind of, sort of, played by Vinny Serrato. But if you want to interview Vinny, ask questions about the team, the championship loss to Kansas City, if you want to revisit that, I'm guessing in real life they might not want to tomorrow, but you never know. But talk about what's happening at the Combine this week. We are here for you on The Fan. Vinny and Hades. Vinny and Hades. Evil Twins. Delve into the dark side of sports on 105.7 The Fan. Tomorrow, Indianapolis NFL Combine 2024. Eric DaCosta, Ravens GM, and John Harbaugh, Ravens head coach, going to meet with the media. First time in pretty much a month that they have spoken to the masses, talk about the Combine, and maybe some other subjects. Time for Evil John Harbaugh. We did Eric DaCosta last hour, played by Vinny Serrato. It is going to be an Emmy-winning performance, I am sure. If you want to get in, you can at 410-583-1057. Before we get to the masses with the media, let's bring in our uh, a credentialed, accepted media member, Nolan McGraw. Nolan, here's the microphone. Thank you. Uh, first question here for John. You've had a lot of changes to your coaching staff this year, but one that we haven't really had a chance to talk to you about is uh, Keith Williams heading to New Orleans. Uh, was that unexpected for you, his loss, his departure, and uh, any plans on how you'll replace him? Yeah, Keith was Keith was a really beneficial part of the staff, teaching not only the receivers but the tight ends and the running backs also. So, yeah, he'll be missed. He, it's hard to get a replacement for that type of guy because – he had a special set of skills, kind of like Chuck Smith, where they were like gurus in the offseason. And you know they just don't come around that often, guys that fit that well. So, Keith, you know, congratulations to him. He gets to coach his own group, and he deserves it. He gets along great with, with the players and stuff. He had a great rapport with all the players. So, yeah, that'll be, that'll be missed by, by the group. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Let's hand the microphone to the listeners. We will hand it over first to Matt in Maine. Matt, thanks for holding. What is your question for Evil John Harbaugh? Good morning, gentlemen, and uh, good morning, uh, Evil John Harbaugh. Yes, good morning. Uh, <laughs> good morning. So my question is this. 
Uh, in the past 10 seasons in the NFL, there have been two head coaches fortunate enough to coach a two-time MVP under center over a six-year period. One of those tandems has five AFC championship appearances, three Super Bowl titles, and four Super Bowl appearances. The other tandem, and we certainly know who that tandem is, has two total playoff wins and was recently embarrassed at home. At what point do you or can you or will you begin to assume some of the responsibility for the failures, and can you acknowledge that your run with Lamar has essentially been a failure because we don't compare you to the other 25 or 26 head coaches in the league. We compare you to the top three or four or five teams in the league, and you are the only other head coach that's had a two-time MVP under center over a six-year period, and you have two playoff wins to show for it. What can you tell me today to make the fan base feel like anything's going to look different in the future? Thanks, guys. Right, thank yeah. you, Matt. Take yeah. that microphone All right, from. Matt. Um, <laughs> you know, we Lamar, he's only getting better. And we expect him, you know, to have a great run here. We expect to have a great run. Um, we're going to keep building, keep working. And um, we got to the AFC Championship this game. We just got to get over the hump to get to that Super Bowl. Uh, were we disappointed we didn't get there? Absolutely, because we felt like we were the best team. Did we play like the best team? No. Did we coach like the best team? No. But we did feel like we had the best team going into that Kansas City game. And you got to give them credit. You got to give Andy Reid credit. Give Patrick Mahomes credit because they end, they did end up winning the Super Bowl. But we're working to become that. To follow up. Failure. The tenure was brought up by uh, Matt, our previous uh, media member. Failure, is that even close to being a fair assessment of you and Lamar during your uh, run here of the last six years? I, would, I wouldn't I would say failure. I would say it's a work in progress. I would say we're building. We're, we're getting better, you know, together. And I think Lamar, look at what Lamar's done. Because why? Because he stayed healthy also. So I expect to have many opportunities with Lamar to make long runs. Let's get back to the phones, and we're handing the mic to Mark and Bel Air. Mike, Mark's rather, sorry about that. Your question for okay. Evil John Harbaugh. Evil John, with the exodus of coaches, the amount of free agents that you have to sign, and the amount of holes that you got to fill both offensively and defensively, do you see this as a rebuilding year, and how much of a setback would this be? No, I don't, I don't think it's a rebuilding year at all. I mean, we were the best team last year going into the playoffs, this past year going into the playoffs, and losing the coaches, um, I, that, I, I don't think it'll hurt. I think it's, you know, I, I think what it, what it does is it gives these other guys opportunities. We have a lot of good leadership on our football team, and that will continue. And the coaches that we've hired thus far, I like them. I like them a lot. And their expectations, they know what the expectations are to be a Baltimore Raven assistant coach. Because the thing that comes with it is, is when you become a Baltimore Ravens assistant coach, because you have good teams, you get opportunities. And opportunities that all these guys have had are because we have 
a good organization, a great ownership, and a good football team. All right, next question comes from Tim in Falston. Tim, your question for Evil John Harbaugh. Thank you, Evil John Harbaugh. Here's my question. I would say Coach Harbaugh, it's been said that in the second half, Kansas City put eight in a box and take the run away and make you throw the ball, take you out of your game. At what point do you say, okay, we're going to take your eight in the box, we're going to take our offensive line, we're going to take our three running backs, we're going to rotate our tackles, we're going to take our tight ends, and we're going to run the ball down your throats anyway and stop us that way and, and stay with our game plan and see if you can stop our guys and, 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 and we're going to put our power against your power and stay with what we do best. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Uh, The thing about it uh, is that 28 of the 59 snaps that we had in that game were um, two-minute or third and long. So those pretty much are all passing-type situations. And then we had a lot of run-pass options, and um, they just turned into be passes. So we tried to come out, start the second half, and we got stuffed the two times. Then we're in third and long again, and then we start throwing it. Then, then they had that long drive, and then we kind of in uh, two-minute mode the rest of the way. It's Vinny Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Let's get Nolan McGraw back on here with a probing question for John Harbaugh. Yeah, we'll go back to the, uh, the coaching staff here. Uh, you're able to keep Todd Munkin around for another year, some continuity for you. Uh, what sort of growth are you looking to see from him and his scheme in year two? I think that the – for the players, you're to taking that next step. And, you know, we'll have – it's going to be a different football team. You know, we may have to look using more two tight ends and stuff, but we still like our group of receivers. I just think that with second year of Todd, everybody comes in knowing the offense, and I think we're just going to take that next step to keep getting better and better. Do we need to, you know, we'll go back and evaluate what we did, what we can improve on, but then we got to look at who's there and take advantage of the players that we have on the field and how do we get them better and how do we how do we incorporate them to make our offense that much better. And to that point, then I was going to ask this question to Evil John Harbaugh, the two tight ends, Isaiah likely had a brilliant run. Yeah. After Mark Andrews went out, how can they coexist and be effective in 2024 here as others like the Zay Flowers and the Rashad Batemans are still going to look for their fair share of targets in this yeah. upcoming season? We've got, to, we've got to put our best players on the field. And if that's with two tight ends, then that, that's what we got to do. But Isaiah likely came on and had a phenomenal, phenomenal second half of the season. And Mark Andrews, we know the things that he can do. And if those two are our best players on the field, a lot of the times, we got to find ways to get them the ball. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Pen. We'll come back, take a trip through the fun house with Nolan McGraw. News from the Nest coming up at the top of the hour. Let's count that Monday money, hopefully, buy or sell around 12.15. Jeff Ehrman, InsideMDSports.com. Talk about Maryland's win yesterday. What does all of it mean? Probably nothing, maybe, but they have to close out strong. Three games left to get a scouting report on Derek Queen, who committed to Maryland last week. Kyle Phoenix, Baltimore Beatdown, BaltimoreRavids.com. We'll have some NFL lunch with us coming up at 1 o'clock. And then Joe Daneman, Fox 19 in Cincinnati, talk about the Bengals offseason, which has started, it looks like, with T. Higgins getting the franchise tag. Work, work sucks. They don't. 105.7 The Fan.
Video Haiti 1057 The Fed. World is Monday. Pat and everybody. Combine starts this week. John Harbaugh, Eric Costa, me with the media tomorrow. Orioles take it on the Braves and the Rays today. Two good teams expected to be anyway here in 2024, like the Orioles. Birds win yesterday to zip over the Pirates. You want to get in and talk about the Orioles, you can do so at 410-583-1057. We'll give you the lineups for both games in the 12 o'clock hour. We got Joe Daneman at 130 talk about the Bengals from Fox 19. Every team in the AFC North finished with a winning record, including Cincinnati. They were expected to win the division before the season. Then injuries became a reality, and in particular to the quarterback who was lost for the season on that Thursday night here in Baltimore against the Ravens, talking about Joe Burrow, of course. And then Kyle Phoenix at 1 o'clock joins us for a little NFL lunch as we talk Ravens with him. But let's bring in Nolan McGraw. Nolan, what is happening here? Doing pretty good. Yeah, really excited to hear Joe's thoughts here because, you know, obviously Higgins gets the tag, but Jamar Chase is eligible to get an extension here. How do they navigate that? How do they juggle those two guys outside looking in? It just seems like they try to get something done with Chase. He's the clear-cut top guy. You let Higgins play on the one-year franchise tag. Not ideal for the cap this year, but they're looking to compete. And I don't think Higgins is there long-term after this year because they're going to lock down Chase. Chase wants a lot of money. I I, I think that it's going to be a, a while before his deal gets done. He's going to want to wait to see. He's going to let all these other guys sign first, then he's going to want to be number numero uno. Right. Justin Jefferson also now working He's with waiting the on Jefferson. Yeah. Seems like they're both waiting Weren't on each other. Weren't they teammates? Were they teammates? Yes, they were. Yeah. So, yeah, he's waiting on Jefferson to get his deal done. Then he'll be ready to sign after that, but he wants more than Jefferson. And we look at T. Higgins as a guy and, you know, salary cap, Finney. It's all against the cap. One, It's a one big hit. Yep. But it also could lead to hurt feelings and maybe a little disgruntled. Uh, not saying he'll be that guy, by the way. But, you know, sometimes guys do not uh, react well to being franchise tag. Even leads to some holdouts. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the thing is, is, you know, he doesn't have. Well, once he signs the tag, we'll, we'll see how pissed he is. If he signs a tag right away, then, you know, he's fine, and then he's got to be at all the stuff. But if he doesn't sign, then he's doesn't have a signed contract, and he can't be at the offseason stuff. So we'll see what he wants to do. But, I mean, but, I mean, if I'm getting one year, what would you say it was, $22.7 million? No, that was about a BK. I think uh, 14 and a half, does that sound about right for wide receiver? No, 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 it's in the 20s. Oh, it, oh no, 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 yeah. that was um, fifth-year option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's twenty two like, million. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, he's the franchise tag for receivers. I, I think it's like twenty two seven, isn't it, Norm? Uh, last year was nineteen point seven. This yeah. year it's twenty one point eight one six a lot of money. All right. So yeah, it's so twenty two I mean, mil. Bob, I mean, he was on his rookie deal. So now he's gonna be making uh basically twenty two million dollars. I mean, I ain't because I mean his average per year, that's probably what he want. That's probably what he would be getting average per year if he did a long-term deal. The only thing he doesn't have is security because he doesn't have a long-term deal. That's the only thing that sucks is you'd like that long-term. You know, you'd like, uh, what, five for 110 and 70 guaranteed, something like that. All he's got guaranteed right now is 
basically the 22 mil. It's video at Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. Let's go to that fun house, Nolan, real quick. Quick draws, fun house. The rudeness, tuneness text reader. Who's the fastest gun alive? This side of the Chesapeake. I like that quick draw. 105.7 The Fan. Couple more questions here for Evil Harbs. We'll extend it into the fun house. This texter says uh, the cornerback depth seems to be a little lacking at this point. Do you see a scenario where Kyle Hamilton could play more of a slot corner role moving forward? We used him some of that this past year in certain certain situations. Put him in the slot to cover, but. We like to let the players do what they do best to take advantage of the things that they do best. Kyle Hamilton will line up in a lot of different positions next year, too. And another question here for Evil Harbaugh. Texter asking, you got a lot of great production out of Clowney and Van Noy last year. How important will it be to keep at least one of them in free agency this year to keep your pass rush unit afloat? Yeah, they're free agents. I'd love to have them both back. They both played great for us. Um, Eric is working on all those things. Uh, another one here, uh, I guess in response to Matt's question earlier, it says if people are going to use Lamar's success against Harbaugh, should also point out that Lamar did finish two of the last three seasons injured. Uh, it's been a six-year span, sure, but Lamar has only been healthy for four of them. When Lamar stays healthy, and, and when you look at Lamar, Look at the progress and look at the development that Lamar's had as he's gotten older. Look at the fundamental footwork and stuff that he's had. And then another year in Todd's offense where he'll get much more comfortable because he's running the offense pretty much from the line of scrimmage. So he'll get much more comfortable and better in those situations too. And how about one more here on the whole court storming incident? Texter says, the only thing I wish happened differently... Uh, was that Coach K was still coaching Duke so we could hear him whine and complain endlessly about it. Well, he would have had every right to do so defending no his player. I mean, what was he expected to say? I mean, Shire was up there complaining about it. I'm sure Jay Billis is complaining about it, not hearing what he had to say on one of the 70,000 ESPN shows I'm sure he's going to be on today. What would you expect him to do? Right. I guess Say, I were cool with this. Point. I hope my best player. No. Hope he guys. Hope, hope he tore his knee up in that whole melee. It, it's always Duke, though, in these situations. I mean, Vinny, you mentioned it earlier when we were talking about it. This happened to Caitlin Clark yep. earlier this year, and sure, that got talked about on ESPN for a day or two, and then people forget and they move on. Is this going to be the same thing, or because it's Duke, we got to keep talking about it? I think it and, depends on how much time he misses. Oh, yeah. If he misses time, then it'll be talking about. ankles, what they're saying here. And then it'll be if there's a fine or something. Because the SEC fines you yes. for storming the court. and But they don't find the fans. They find the school. The school. 100 grand, I believe. I think it was yeah. LSU last week. But rules get changed when stars get hurt. Tom Brady. No going beneath the knees anymore when yeah. Bernard Pollard got him, when Bernard played for Kansas City. Buster Posey got his leg broken blocking the plate. Now he can't block the plate anymore. So rules will get changed 
maybe this will be the impetus for them yeah. changing. I think something. Norm, the reason the Caitlin Clark one went away so bad because that was an ugly. I mean, she took a total dive. I mean, right. she, yeah, she didn't even like, get hit. It looked like she initiated yeah. the contact. It's Vinny at eighty one up five seven. The fan will come back. You want to join us? News from the nest. Feel free to do so at four ten five eight three one zero five seven. We're going to count some money. Hopefully at twelve fifteen with buy or sell, and we'll talk terps with Jeff Ehrman from Inside MD Sports at twelve. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The best Ravens coverage. It's time for News from the Nest with Vinny and Haney. Sponsored by Window Nation. Winter is here. With Window Nation, replacing those old windows is easier and more affordable than you think. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. 105.7 The Fan. Salary cap in the National Football League now $255.4 million, which gives the Ravens a little bit of relief here financially, but as OverTheCap.com posted, Jeff Zreback, The Athletic, writing about it this morning, Ravens still sit at, air quotes, only 16-plus in cap space on uh, February the 26th. You got the uh, tag deadline March 5th, which is next Tuesday. Then you have some other free agents to deal with. And there's a lot of maneuvering that needs to be done. Let's just right. You tag Matabike, that takes up 21.7 million in cap space right there. So that's why you would love to get a deal done. And they couldn't tag Matabike right, you know, because they wouldn't have the cap space. So they've got to get some contracts restructured to get some deal or cut some players. And I, I think the Bowser one's a given, I believe, where they pick up like five mil. I think that one's going to be a given. Other than that, we'll see because there's there's guys that they're going to need to go sign. Yeah, Bowser would save him five and a half million dollars, and as Jeff writes, other cut options include not saying this is going to happen, but options. Patrick Ricard would save four mil. Morgan Moses five and a half mil there. An extension for Ricard would lower his gap number and probably make more sense and perhaps be the the way that they do choose to go there. Right. And then, Bob, when you look at, I mean, Morgan Moses is, is acceptable as a right tackle. Five and a, he's, his salary is like five million or five and a half million dollars. So it doesn't pay to get rid of him because to, to pick up, to get a guy capable of playing right tackle probably going to cost you you know 10 to 15 mil so it doesn't make sense to get rid of morgan moses now you could uh restructure lamar jackson mark andrews roquan smith i mean in that situation because it is a team friendly maneuver it's not like they're taking money away from these guys they're just moving it around a little well, bit what they're yeah they're giving them no well for the player they're getting a signing bonus they're getting cash now so they don't mind doing that at all. For the team, you're just extending things into the future more like credit card mentality. Eventually, you got to pay your credit card. 
And that's what it, you're just putting more into the future. And you don't mind doing that with young guys because all three of the guys you mentioned, Bob, are mid-20s. All drafted in the same draft class. Yeah. 2018. And in that situation, too, Vinny, I'm assuming knowing that they need pieces because they want to win Super Bowls here, right. that they'd be open to that sort of discussion. Oh, no doubt. It, it's, Bob, it, it it doesn't affect them at all. All it is is just paperwork. and All it is is paperwork, basically. And, and you're, like I said, you're getting a check now instead of later. Yeah. Got that 30% credit card interest you might have to pay down the road. But Ronnie Stanley, this is going to be an interesting one. He's going to be 30 years old. That's the biggest one. He's missed 36 of their last 67 games. Man. Yeah. That that that's that, that's kind of a tough one. If I had a I wish I had a young guy Bob that was a, a guy who could play left tackle cuz I mean to me then it's a no-brainer. Um and at 30 you're not getting a starting left tackle, I don't believe. Day one. And the cap space, let's see. Before June 1st, it will create 8 mil, a little bit more. But the dead money, and explain what dead money is. It's basically 18 mil you don't have, pretty much. That, yeah. And the, the thing about it is, all right, Bob, let's, let's just look at it. You save 8 mil, okay? All right, so... The guy you replace him with, how much does he cost? Say he costs five. So you're saving three. You know, is that worth it? That that's that's what you gotta look at. Okay, I gotta replace the guy. And then all right, you say, okay, we well, save eight million. Okay, then then his replacement costs what? Post June one. Yeah. Let's see. You could spread it over two years, the dead money, and would generate fifty million cap savings. But it would not be available until June, and free agency starts in what, like three weeks? Right, right. But don't they have? Isn't there one uh, one guy that you can designate June one cut and cut him earlier? I think you can, you know. And I would bet that that would be what they would do with Ronnie, because Bob. I mean, and Ronnie's agent. I'm I'm sure Ronnie's agent knows this that if we cut. And Eric's probably talked to the agent or meeting with him this week. If we cut Ronnie, and this is the agent's job at the Combine, Bob, what's he worth? What can I get him if he gets cut? You know, am I getting him $16 million a year? No, because of what you just said. All the games that he's missed. You know, can I get him $8 million? So if you're the Ravens, all right, Ronnie, we're going to cut you. We'll cut you from from 16 to to ten, but we'll throw a bunch of incentives in there that you can you can get it back if you play. And yeah. to me, that would be more beneficial for Ronnie than to go to a new team. Played thirteen games this year, most since two thousand nineteen. That's a long gap between <laughs> durability a lot of surgeries and not in so there. durable. It's been eight eighty one oh five seven. The bad news from the nest here on this Monday. Patrick Queen hits free agency, as does Geno Stone. And as we've talked about, and Jeff and Jonas and everybody, uh, Jameson, everyone who writes about the Ravens has reported multiple times. Chances of either coming back are pretty slim because they're going to be pretty, uh, pretty attractive options for other teams here. Yep, I think uh, yeah, both will be big time attractive options. Um. Queen definitely gone because the Ravens can't afford sixteen million dollars for another linebacker or twenty, whatever he, whatever he's, he's probably going to end up getting around twenty. 
if he's got competition. And Stone, you can't afford to play a backup safety if if he's getting six to eight million dollars. You can't afford just like uh, you're paying two safeties premium market money. Well, not yet Hamilton, but he's a 14 pick. But Williams is getting paid. You know, it's just like why you can't afford. You know, big-time backup quarterback because your quarterback's making too much money. Other free agents of note for the Ravens, J.K. Dobbins, Dalvin Cook, Gus Edwards, Devin DuVernay, John Simpson, your starting left guard, Clowney, Van Noy, Malik Harrison, Brent Urban, Ronald Darby, and Arthur Millette all hit the market here, among others, for the Ravens. Yeah, I think a lot of those guys, well, um, they'll be able to get some of them back. You know, at what Simpson, they probably told Simpson, go see what what's your value out there. If they can get him cheap, they probably bring him back. Um, same thing with Harrison. The only thing is, is you got three defensive coaches. How did the defensive coaches like him? That, that's the issue. Because you got McDonald, um, who coached them all. And then you've got Wilson, who's secondary coach. And then you got Weaver, who was the D-line coach. So they all know him. And can he, can he help them? Got more Ravens talk coming your way at 1 o'clock. NFL lunch. Kyle Phoenix is going to be joining us. BaltimoreBeatdown.com. BaltimoreRavens.com. We'll talk Bengals with Joe Danman from Fox 19 in Cincinnati. Jeff Berman's joining us. Bottom of the hour. Talk some Terps. They win last night, or yesterday afternoon, I should say, at Rutgers. Three regular season games left. Chances of getting to the NCAA tournament still rather slim, but that's why they play the games. If you want to join us, you can at 410-583-1057. Orioles split squad. Got Tampa and Atlanta. Give you the lineups later on this hour and keep you up to date on the scores when the game start in the one o'clock hour are you buying great cash homie or are you selling i'm not gonna buy into that crap Penny and Haney, 1057 the fan Penny and Haney, 1057 the fan here on this monday gonna talk some terps with jeff Ehrman at the bottom of the hour inside mdsports.com and then kyle phoenix gonna have some nfl lunch with us coming up at one o'clock stay tuned for that talk ravens with Kyle, but right now, let's talk some money, hopefully. We'll buy or sell. Yeah, the market's pretty flat today. The Dow's up three. The S&P's down three. NASDAQ is up 29. DraftKings down 71 cents. Under Armour's up four cents. As always, buy or sell is brought to us by the Farmer's Dog. We'll start things here in the NFL, where the Dolphins have plans to release Xavier Howard at the start of the new league year. Uh, we'll break up the duo past couple of years of him and Jalen Ramsey, both among the top 10 highest paid corners after Howard signed a five-year, $90 million deal in 2022. Well, now he'll be heavily sought after again in uh, that first week of free agency, looking to cash in again. He's only 30 years old. Vinny Byers sell. Howard will get a contract on par with the one the Dolphins just cut short. I'll sell it. I think, you know, it's a pretty good draft year and um, age. And I, I'm not sure how he played on on film, but I, I Jalen Ramsey, I was reading an article after Howard, you know, was told that he's being released. He just, he was ripping Fangio, saying they didn't use him properly. Right, without naming him. It's always subtle. Oh, it's Never, pretty obvious. Right, well, I mean, just speak your mind. I mean, right. why, are you, why are you beating around the bush? Uh, how about over to baseball here? A guy the Orioles got a look at yesterday, Mitch Keller. 
had a breakout season for the Pirates last year. They rewarded him with a new contract worth $77 million over five years. Despite being a franchise with poor on-field results, really the past seven, eight years, they have had handed out a few pretty big contracts in recent years. Brian Reynolds got one. Key Brian Hayes also locked up long-term. Avoiding trade speculation with both those guys. Same could be said for Keller here. The buyer sell, Bob. The Pirates are ready to take that next step and build around those three. Uh, I will go ahead and buy that because that appears to be the plan. It's a division, the NL Central, that doesn't have like this juggernaut team right now. By the way, Bellinger re-signed with the Cubs for, what, 80 mil, three years there. But, yeah, let's do it. Having Pittsburgh relevant in baseball is a good thing because it's a good baseball town, great baseball tradition, sort of like Baltimore. Come on, Pirates, get back in there. And they've had some pretty big draft picks over the years, too, because of all that suckage they've had. Go back to the NFL, where T.J. Watt was rubbed the wrong way after not winning Defensive Player of the Year. He led the league in sacks for the third time in his career, something that no other player in NFL history has done, not even his brother, who finished his career, though, with three Defensive Player of the Year awards. T.J. has just the one, and he's obviously a little upset that he didn't get the crack at two this year. But uh, he's going to shatter his brother's sack total maybe as soon as this coming season. But Vinny Byersell, he won't match uh, J.J.'s Defensive Player of the Year award mark. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. The The biggest problem they have is, you know, J.J., for the most times, they were, they had a good football team. You know, and Pittsburgh's okay, but uh, defensively their numbers aren't great. He's just great, and he has help on the other side. I saw a statistical breakdown where one writer was making a case that Max Crosby should have been Defensive Player of the Year for the Raiders. His st- his stats almost across the board were better than uh, Miles Garrett's. But he played on a crappy team. Always going to be a close race. That's right. Makes, I tell you what, uh, if, if somebody's going to be rubbed wrong. If, if Clowney tackled all the ones he missed, he'd have been in a contention. <laughs> uh, how about back to baseball here where the Rays have made themselves famous in recent history for working their magic when it comes to building a pitching staff. Those certainly have their work cut out for them right now, though. Tyler Glass now, he was shipped to L.A. Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, two starters for them, will start the season on the I.L. No more Wander Franco in their lineup. It's hard to count the Rays out given their track record. We see it every year, but... Buy or sell, Bob. This is the year Tampa takes a step backwards. Uh, I'll soft buy. I mean, are we talking step back? They finish last? Or they're not going to be in first place for the first four months of the season like they were last year? Yeah. We'll, when they we'll got say, off to uh, that great start. Yes, they'll take a step backwards. Maybe fall behind the uh, Yankees and Toronto in the division. Fourth place, perhaps. But they get Savali for a full season. They still have Eflin. I mean, they got some pieces there still. And we'll close things here with the Kansas City Chiefs. Nicole Hardman came through with the biggest play of their season by catching the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. And he picked a great time to find the end zone there. That was his only touchdown of the entire season, regular season and playoffs. Uh, Posted a career low with many of his stats this year, just 124 receiving yards while splitting time between Kansas City and the Jets. He says he hopes he can stay with the Chiefs, but he'll see where free agency takes him. Buy or sell, Vinny. Uh, one play won't be enough for Kansas City to bring him back. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. They got to go get a legitimate uh, player to go with Rice and Kelsey. 
So I, I think I think they'll go either draft one or go pay one. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. We'll come back. We're going to talk some Maryland with Jeff Ehrman from InsideMDSports.com. Terps win at Rutgers yesterday afternoon. It was not a beautiful thing to watch, but it's a win. And right now you're just trying to stack if you're Kevin Willard and the Terps. We'll get a scouting report as well on Derek Queen. Orioles split squad in Sarasota, Northport, Florida. We'll give you the lineups later on in the hour. If you want to get in, you can at Fort Ted, 583-1057. We've got Kyle Phoenix joining us for NFL Lunch from BaltimoreBeatdown.com. That's coming up at 1 o'clock. The latest sports news and your place to talk about it. Always. 1057 The Fan. Eight eighty one zero five seven. The fan here on this Monday. Orioles split squad in it today. Tampa and Atlanta. Give you the lineups here in a few minutes. Keep you up to date on the scores. When the games begin at one zero five, we got NFL lunch coming up at one. Kyle Phoenix is going to be joining us. We'll talk some Ravens with him, and then we'll talk Bengals with Joe Dynaman, Fox nineteen in Cincinnati. But let's talk some Maryland hoops and some football as well, because four turtles are going to be at that combine. In Indianapolis uh, this week, but inside MD Sports, Maryland they get a win last or yesterday afternoon. They have three games left before the Big Ten tournament. And, you know they need they need to do some work, and here to get into that work that needs to be done from InsideMDSports.com. He's on the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Let's welcome in Jeff Furman. Jeff, what's happening? Oh, hey Bob, hey Vinny, how are you guys? Doing all right. And look, you know, was was it all about style points yesterday in Piscataway? No. Getting a win? Yes. And in the second half, you know, uh, Julian Reese set the tone a little bit for the team. But, man, you we talk about how bad Maryland is offensively, and we have all year long, Jeff. But uh, Rucker's not yeah. exactly the uh, ninth, uh, 2016 Golden State Warriors anyway, but still <laughs> the win for Maryland at this point in time in the season resonates how for them? Well, I think it it shows that they're still fighting really hard, which I've said a million times, but it's true, you know, teams – especially ones that had high expectations heading in the season teams that are having rough seasons. You kind of see the energy start to fade and they're playing like a team that, you know, if you just watch them, you would think the effort level was a team that's still in the hunt. So, you know, it means obviously it's going to take a miracle to get to the NCAA tournament, but they, they're not thinking like that. You know, they, they've really, you know, I don't think it's lip service. I think they feel like they, have the ability to make a run. Maybe you finish strong and win these next three, finish at 10 and 10, and then go into the Big Ten tournament with, you know, house money kind of mindset. So I think that's really the biggest takeaway to me is that they continue to scrap it out. Let's talk about, and we'll get to Derek Queen and the and the uh, Malachi Palmer here in a second as we talk about next year's recruiting class. But the two main guys, Deshaun Harris Smith and Jamie Kaiser, Maryland, what fifteenth rated recruiting class, I believe you guys had on twenty four seven Sports yeah. last year in the country. We'll start with Harris Smith. A lot of talk before the season. He's one and done. Blah blah blah, et cetera, et cetera. Not going to be the case. We he might be one and done with nil stuff. Who really knows? But what's been the most surprising thing about his season and with Kaiser as well, based on the expectations we had for them coming into the collegiate ranks here? 
Yeah, I think with Harris Smith, it's been surprising just that he hasn't been able to score more. You know, he's um, you knew coming in, it wasn't a secret that he was dominant, left-handed dominant. You know, it doesn't go right much at all, and he's not a he's not a pure jump shooter. But I think the thought was that he'd be able to get to the basket more and finish uh, and transition and and create and things like that. That really hasn't happened nearly as much as expected. Uh, he has shown a few signs lately, though. I think he had a 17-point game. I believe it was last week. Uh, you know, has hit a few shots, and and the jumper's still not falling, but you often. But you're seeing some of the things he did in high school start to show, like you know, putting his shoulder in the defender's chest and just straight bullying guy to the basket for a bucket here and there. So you can see that. Still, you can also see the body language isn't great. The confidence isn't great. So. You know, they're really going to need him to buckle down this summer and work hard and, and make a big stride heading into next year. Now we look at the other members of the freshman class, like Jonathan Lamoth, and we're on the same page here. Expected maybe get a little more run than he has. But what about Pierce, the big kid out of Florida? Is there hope for the future there? Are we still looking at a couple more developmental sort of seasons? Yeah, Lamoth wasn't – you know, he was a very uh, – Productive high school player, had some great numbers, really good player, but he wasn't quite as highly ranked or didn't have quite as high expectations as, as Harris Smith and Kaiser. So it's not too unusual for a guy like that to not make a big impact. It is, it's a little surprising he hasn't played some more given their bench struggles. So, you know, assuming he sticks around next year, could kind of be make or break. guy like that needs to at least uh, make a little bit more of a dent. Pierce is a mystery guy. You know, he was he's a seven-footer who's a face-up seven-footer, kind of like some of the guys we've seen at Wisconsin and Iowa in recent years. Uh, so he was expected to redshirt this year, and he has. There's really no um, takeaway for that reason on what he can bring. So he's he's just kind of an unknown commodity, but a guy who they think can, you know, add some scoring at the five. Uh, and then Jamie Kaiser, you know, they're continuing to let him play through the struggles. You know, he's had some good moments, as, uh, you know, at times. He's probably as hardworking as anyone on the team. You know, he's always flying around the court. The, the, the surprising thing is that the jumper hasn't fallen for him this season. It was known as a strength coming in. So, you know, he really needs to to get that going heading into next year and also, I think, you know, improve the foot speed to be able to maximize his potential. Jeff Ehrman, InsideMDSports.com. Well, the uh, Derek Queen uh, drama finally ended last week. He commits to the University of Maryland. He joins Malachi Palmer for the class of 2024. Give our listeners, Jeff, if you would, a scouting report on both. Well, Queen is not the, you know, the, the highlight real run-and-jump athlete you often see ranked as a five-star, um, but – you know, he has exceptional skill for a center, great feel for the game, excellent passer. So he's the kind of guy who's, you know, because of those traits is going to be able to be productive right away and be able to be capable right away. You know, if you have some freshmen, if they're raw or if the scoring's not going, they're not going to be able to add much else. But he's such a good passer. He's such a strong rebounder that, you know, he, he's – there's no short things, but he feels like a short thing to be a, an impact kind of guy. 
uh, right away. Malachi Palmer, I believe we have him number 124 in the country, so he's a solid prospect, had some good offers, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, uh, a few others were going after him. Uh, he's a, he's kind of a mid-range and physical inside. You know, he's he's 6'5", got great height for a guard, you know, gets up and dunks easily. You know, the question is going to be the three-point shot. You know, is he ready to knock down shots right off the bat because that's what they desperately need. Now, Jeff, the Terps got four kids going to the combine this week. Any of them you feel like can make a big jump in the draft from what they, how they perform this week. Hey, I think DJ Glaze, Vinny has not gotten a lot of hype, but he was one of the better tackles in the big 10 for the past two years, looking at the analytics. Uh, so he's a guy you don't see people talking about, but I think could, could rise Tarheep still, you know, people around him feel really confident that he's going to run somewhere in that Mid four three range, they think he could be the next corner, Terps corner to, to rise the boards fast. So you know this year is not a like you know Deontay Banks last year and some of the other highly touted guys they've had in recent years. It's not a year where they have one of those guys. I think th- there's more future NFL talent on the roster than there is for this year. But you know I would think that they'll have uh, you know three or four drafted. Talia Tungavailo obviously wasn't invited to the combine. So we'll see. I've heard that, you know, they've been told that he could be a fourth to seventh rounder, which to those of us, you know, who who watched him a lot, seen his flaws along with his strengths, you know, might doubt that. But, you know, it, it's still possible he could get drafted even though he wasn't invited. Well, with Leah, the pro day is going to be huge. When's the pro day at uh, for the Terps again? Because that's going to be a big, big day for him. He's got one shot. Yeah, I don't know if they've put out a date yet, Vinny. That's a really good question, but um, that is for him. I mean, that's that's huge. With not and I, and I I thought you know his last name would probably put him over the hump in terms of getting invited. I was surprised he didn't get invited when fourteen other quarterbacks were. So, like you said, you got to do it on your own, and you better do well on that pro day. Yeah, kind of surprise if he's projected and granted i'm not vince lombardi by any stretch of the imagination but if he's projected to be a fourth to seventh round pick wouldn't you want him like there yeah you would think walking I, around doing some leah tongue of viola stuff because what is there 320 some guys and you know yeah. 14 quarterbacks i i and i mean the kid was the what the big 10 passing leader and stuff it's kind of weird yeah, you would think he would be there just on his accolades and his last name. I was very surprised. But as we've seen, you know, he's undersized. He's can be mistake-prone more than you'd like for a guy In with his experience. Games. So those are, yeah, those are realistic <laughs> questions. And maybe the scouts that talk to the people I know, maybe they were a little rosy. But, uh, but yeah, that was a little bit surprising. All right, Pro Day, by the way, is March 29th, which is a Friday. Spring Media Day is March 26th. And the red-white game, which is always fun and exciting, is uh, April the 27th. There you go. For your college park needs. Hey, real quick, Jeff, if you don't mind, circle back to hoops. Point guard, how's that going to be resolved this offseason for Kevin Willard? I mean, you know, it's going to be resolved in the portal almost certainly. They, there's no really 2024 high school prospects still on their board, at least that are known at this point. Someone could pop up. You never know. Maybe some a really good player decommits this time of year when there's coaching changes. You see a few guys pop back onto the market because of that. But, yeah, I mean, almost certainly in the portal. I think Rodney Rice, the former Virginia Tech guard, is – 
a name to keep close tabs on, very close tabs on the question there is whether he's your if – you, if you get him, whether he's your point guard or your shooting guard or a combo next year, you better be really confident uh, that he can play the point, obviously, because you don't really have another point guard except for Jahari Long, who's been a career backup. So you know, replacing Jameer Young's not easy, and it'll be really interesting to see how they do it. Jeff Berman, tell everybody what's happening at InsideMDSports.com. Uh, site is InsideMDSports.com. We're on the 24-7 Sports Network covering Terps sports and recruiting all day. Lots of information you won't find anywhere else. So if you love the Terps, come check us out. Jeff, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, fellas. He's Jeff Ehrman, everybody. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. We'll come back, reset the program for you. If you want to get in, you can at 4-5-8-3-105.7. Give you these Orioles lineups. Split squad in it today. You got Atlanta and Tampa. Brandon Hyde's one spot. Freddie Gonzalez is the next. If you want to talk about the Ravens, we're going to do that too. Kyle Phoenix, as a matter of fact, is going to have some NFL lunch with us coming up at 1 o'clock from BaltimoreBeatdown.com and BaltimoreRavens.com. And Joe Daneman will talk some Bengals with him. He's with Fox 19 in Cincinnati. One day trade. Three cents a share. That's $3. You cheap. And one plays scratch-offs. When we go to gamble, we go to lose. If they still work here, you can bet they're in the bend. Vinny and Haney on 105.7 The Fan. Orioles two games today. One in Sarasota. One in Northport against the Braves. Sarasota's the Rays. Let's see. Cedric Mullins. Adley Rutschman, Austin Hayes, Ramona Rios, Kobe Mayo, Nick Maton, Sam Hilliard, Tyler Nevin, Colton Kowser, Kate Povich, starting pitcher there, Northport, and the stadium is cool. It is called, let's see here, where the Braves play. I don't know where Northport, Florida is, full disclosure. Me either. Cool Today Park. Oh, cool. It's. I guess it's going to be cool today at Cool Today Park as the Orioles are taking on the Braves. But the lineup there, Ryan McKenna, center field, Anthony Santander, your DH, Jordan Westbrook's at third, O'Hearn's at first, Kerstad in left, Jackson Holiday at second, Stowers in right, Castillo's your shortstop, Diego, that is. And then Michael Perez behind the plate, Seth Johnson is on the hill for the Orioles there. Brandon Hyde is with the Orioles and Braves. Freddie Gonzalez will manage it in Sarasota. Grayson Rodriguez is going to pitch tomorrow against the Tigers. Looks like another split squad thing going on there. Then Dean Kramer will go Wednesday against the Twinkies. Tyler Wells is expected to start Thursday or Friday. So that's your pitching stuff, at least for the next couple of days. Game start at 105. We will keep you up to date on the scores of both throughout the course of the 1 o'clock hour. If you want to join us, you can at 410-583-1057. NFL Combine starts this week. Tomorrow, Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh are going to meet with the media. Ravens have a ton of free agents they need to deal with. Salary cap, I mean, did they get relief? I guess kind of, sort of, because it came in higher than a lot of people, Vinny, anticipated at 255.4. But the Ravens... They're not in cap hell, but they're not in. They're not in like who's got like the Reds or the Commanders have a ton of dough, right? The Bengals, I believe. Yeah, Bengals have like seventy mil. Yeah, there's some teams that have a pretty a strong cap situation. Yeah, right and, and the thing about it is, is when you look at the cap, it's oh, Ravens got sixteen million, but all right, you got eight draft picks, so they're all you. Know, you got to count them, 
and then restricted free agents. And, uh, you know, so they all count. Uh, exclusive rights, free agents. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it that people, oh, we got $16 million, we can go guys sign guys. No, we don't. Plus, you got to have like $10 million going into the season or $8 million going in for injuries. Eric Bieniemy, who was, speaking of the commanders, recently their offensive coordinator, looks like he's going to join the UCLA staff under Deshaun Foster, the new head coach there. Remember, Chip Kelly left as head coach of the Bruins to become the OC yeah. in Ohio State, which would have been an unfathomable move, you know, not that long ago. But Eric Bieniemy is a guy, Vinny, that we know from his days with Kansas City. He was there with Young Mahomes when he was developing as a future Hall of Famer, multiple-time Super Bowl champion, and we we're talking about him in 2020. We're assuming he's already three or four years into his head coaching tenure yep. at pick a team. Now it looks like whatever window was there for him to be a head coach has slammed shut, which is amazing. But he's interviewed for jobs. Why has he went from a guy that seemed to be a lock to be a head coach to someone that's now coaching at the collegiate ranks at UCLA? Yeah, I, and not even a head coach at that. Yeah, I, Bob, when he was like going through when he was at Kansas City going through the head coaching interview type stuff I heard he didn't interview well and if you don't interview well it's the first impression that you're making on these people cuz they don't know who you are so that kind of rubbed people the wrong way probably and then with the Redskins this past year Bob I mean he had the uh, the blow up with Rivera because he was too hard on the players and stuff so uh I Bob I don't I, did you read anything where he had any interviews? Not this offseason. Yeah. No, for coordinator job even. No. I, yeah. So, I mean, nope. I th- he's lost a lot of luster. Plus, the thing that people don't like is, Bob, he doesn't run the football. And, because when you look at Washington, they had Sam Howell. All right? And their offensive line stunk. He led the league in pass attempts. You know, I think you he got sacked a ton too, didn't right. he? Right. So I mean, he doesn't run the foot. Uh, he wanted to, Kansas City. They throw it second most, but they ran the football. But I, I think people, um, he did it how he wanted to do it, and I don't think people liked how he wanted to do it. And I don't know if he's kind of stubborn that I'm just running what Kansas City does, or he. Because when you look at Washington, you say, okay, Sam Howell, we don't have a good offensive line. We can't drop back and throw it 50 times a game. And that's what they were trying to do. We got to run it. We got to help him out. We got to, you know, so I, I, I just think he lost a lot of luster. Yeah. Sam Howell, 21 touchdowns, 21 picks, but was sacked 65 times yeah. and 612 pass attempts. Well, I think it said a lot when Andy Reid said, you know, are you bringing uh, the enemy back? We don't have any room. You know, now, you can always make, you can hire, you can do whatever you want. There's no limit like the NCAA. The enemy did say that contrary to reports, he was not fired in Washington. He chose to leave. Yeah. He may emailed that to ESPN that, Hey, I didn't get fired. I chose to leave. So Eric, the enemy going to UCLA, not again, you know, we thought this dude was a lock for a head coaching job. I mean, how, if, if it's still a dream of his to be that guy, I mean, how does he, rebuild whatever reputation he needs. I'm not saying he even needs to rebuild his rep, but how does he do it in college as opposed to, you know, still no, he's, trying to do it in the national He's football. not going to, he's not going to be a, 
NFL head coach ever. Um, he's got to go. He's got to go do it in college now. He's got because UCLA they're they're struggling right now and they're moving to the Big Ten. So he'll have a lot of opportunity to play against good teams and show what he can do. And I, I would imagine he's probably a pretty good recruiter too. They better go get him a quarterback number one. Yeah, we are, we're going to talk about this later in the hour, 1 o'clock hour with Joe Danman from Fox 19 out of Cincinnati. But the Bengals have uh, placed a franchise tag on T. Higgins, wide receiver. Uh, it's a restricted one-year deal, uh, $21.816 million, which is the franchise tag for wide receivers. Yeah, and then and, and they had like $70 million of cap space, so they can, they can afford to do that with him for this year. See how he does, and they'll they'll try to get Chase's deal done sometime this season or this this off season too. Now Jonas Schaefer tweeting this out about uh, you know the fifth year option totals for Ravens hitting free agency, which we'll get into with Kyle Phoenix coming up in a couple of minutes. But franchise tag for Matty BK twenty two point one Cha Ching fifth year option on Adape Owe fourteen and a half. Fifth-year option on Bateman, 14.3. Again, we'll talk about it with Kyle. You've said it before. That's not happening. Either option getting picked up no, there. And, Unlikely, it seems. And for the Ravens, they, they for cap purposes, get a deal done with Matabike. Got to get a deal done. Young, talented, getting better, work hard, leader. There's no negatives. I mean, if you have to overpay him a little bit, so be it. He's worth it, and he's the type of guy, he's a Raven. You drafted him. You developed him. He's 26. Pay him. It's video at 1057 The Fan. Kyle Phoenix, BaltimoreBeatdown.com, joining us next for NFL Lunch. If you want to get in the 1 o'clock hour, you can at 410-583-1057. Talk about the Combine. Talk about the Orioles. Talk about the Terps. Whatever you want to get into. Joe Daneman, as we said, Fox 19 and Cincy. How's that offseason looking for the Bengals right now? An insider's look at the National Football League. It's NFL Lunch. Presented by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. With Vinny and Haney on 105.7 The Fan. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan here on this Monday. Time to feed you some football NFL lunch style. Bob Haney, Vinny Serrato. Nolan McGraw is on the other side of the glass. Here from BaltimoreBeatdown.com, BaltimoreRavens.com. He's on the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Let's welcome back to the show. Kyle Phoenix. Kyle, what's happening? It's another beautiful day. Living the dream. I'm sure you are, Kyle Phoenix. Uh, Talk about the Ravens here. A little two-parter, I guess. You're putting this team together. You're trying to free up some cap space. How is Kyle Phoenix doing it? And how much of that extra cap money are you going to allocate to a running back this offseason? Right. Well, the the ways that they can create cap space is uh, cutting ties with outside linebacker Tyus Bowser. That saved $5.5 million. You've got to consider uh, parting ways with Morgan Moses, who has done a great job for Baltimore, but $5.5 million and Daniel Falele or Morgan Moses is kind of the thing you're balancing. And I think the Ravens are getting ready to uh, pass the reins to Falele. That's just, you know, my opinion because he was rotating in and out with Morgan Moses, you know, by season's end, and including he was out there during the playoff game when they were continuing their rotation at right tackle. So I think that's another. So that'd be $11 million. And then if you want to keep Patrick Picard, who has been incredibly productive, even in Todd Munkin's offense, but that's another $4 million. So 
that's the way you can save 15 million with three moves and that's before you get to any restructures and that's before you can request and see if if stanley and uh, marlon humphrey are negotiable on possible pay cuts if they're willing to do so or restructures with other big deals uh kind of like mark anders you could you could uh you know restructure and, and allocate that as a bonus to get freed up in the short term but of course that will come back later so that's the opportunity there um and with that running back as you ask i'm uncertain on how much to spend there because with just having lamar jackson any running back that jumps into this offense seems to get at least another half yard per carry boost just due to the threat of jackson but in a field of this many top tier free agent running backs um I, you know i'd be i think i'd be willing to go around eight to nine million if you're going to grab a really talented guy but you don't want to break the bank on running back because with you know you're in the the jackson post rookie quarter you know quarterback contract era where every cap hit is huge and you have to make moves somewhere or anywhere and uh running back is probably going to be the difference Hey Kyle, I, I I think Moses is so cheap that he is you know he'll be more valuable than um, at five and a half million. He's cheap to keep, and you know he had a I don't know if I don't think it was quite a torn pec. It'd be interesting to see because his left pec he had he had severe problems with it towards the end of the season, so that was an issue. So I'm I'm guessing that if he has surgery in the off season. He'll be that much better. I don't think he's going anywhere, and I'll be interested to see the Ronnie Stanley one. I think that's pay cut, or uh, I don't. I, I I have just have a hard time with that one because he doesn't play a lot of games. Although this year he played in thirteen. Right, and that's the thing that's the really challenging thing that Eric Acosta is going to have to decide is because if you part ways with him, uh, you know you could be saving some you know some cap. Right there, you can get some cap relief from passing on on Ronnie Stanley. Uh, if you do a post June one, you mm-hmm. save uh, fifteen million, but you will have an eleven point two million dead money in twenty twenty four, and then more in twenty twenty five because you split it into two. Uh, you'd save eight point three if you if you cut him, you know, pre June one, but that's seventeen point eight million in dead cap this season. But you kind of quote unquote get it over with, but. Uh, you, you really, I think, got to hope that Stanley is amenable to a pay cut uh, with the production and just the way things have gone, you know, and not all of it being his fault. You know, he was just a victim of injuries, and that's the way this this goes. But uh, I, I like Morgan Moses a lot, you know, and uh, as, as a football player and as a locker room presence, I think he's been incredibly beneficial for the Ravens. And uh, I'm uncertain whether or not he's going to be a guy that, is a victim of just a cap casualty. Uh, I like you, really like him, thought he was incredibly productive. You know, he, he battled through injury and was still a, a very good tackle and, and handled things well. But, uh, you know, when when money gets this tight, all of a sudden you have to make moves that you are, uh, you know, not keen on. And I think a lot of it depends on the Ravens' belief in Daniel Falele. Yeah. Uh, what do you think they'll do at guard uh, with Zeitler gone and Simpson a free agent? I think uh, Andrew Voorhees would be my, er, you know, my early odds-on favorite to be the left guard. They got him last season off the torn ACL that happened in the combine, you know, and he 
and he was incredibly productive over at USC. He was a versatile guy as well who was playing guard and tackle. He's bounced around, and he's really shown production at the college level, and they really liked him, you know, enough to, to trade a draft pick to hop back in the draft after their draft uh, – uh, media, you know, after the after the draft class, they, we spoke to them in the media, and then they went back in the draft room and made another selection. So I think that is definitely uh, my early favorite for left guard, but that's not ruling out them having Ben Cleveland, Umavai Laulu. Uh, you know, Cleveland's more of a right guard, obviously, but, you know, they're going to have guys in contention. And then Patrick McCary, you know, they like to have him as the versatile sixth man, but – I'm sure he probably wants to be out there on the field, you know, making plays and, and, and doing what he does best, which is, you know, being a versatile guy that can play and has earned starter reps. But, you know, it's more of whether they see him more as the utility guy or if they want him buying for a, a full-time position. Hey, Kyle, how the thing that the other position that scares me a lot is because I don't have a lot of trust and faith right now in a job and Oway. Um, getting Clowney back or getting Venom to me that that's going to be critical for them because that that'll help the secondary too. Yeah, no doubt about it. Kyle Van Noy was was public on Twitter saying that you know he deserves a pay increase he for does. the production that he is. He's not trying to break the bank, but you know he said after having such a productive season, he'd like to be back for the Ravens. But it has to be a fair price. You know, it has to be a, a, a respectful raise for what he accomplished last season. Um, I, I agree that pass rush is going to be a very vital area because you had to both your free agent rushers come in and, you know, take those number one and number two rushing spots and make big plays, generate big pressures, get sacks, do all of the things right and necessary, and both of them are out the door. And you're uncertain on Ajabo's consistency, uh, excuse me, on, on Ajabo, uh, his knee, uh, with surgery and then Owe with his consistency because he looked really good, you know, at the start of the season. And then, you know, when he's trying to fight for reps, his, his production level went down because the, the veteran guys, you know, they, they're a little bit more productive than he was at times. And so it's up to whether or not both of them can kind of get going, but I think they need to bring back one of those guys. You know, I'm impartial to having Clowney here just because of what he was able to do, but, Van Noy was, you know, effective in his own right as proven, you know, he came off the couch, you know, and didn't have as many games a season and still came one sack shy of having a double digit season. Kyle, uh, if I'm a betting man, I think uh, Eric trades back out of the first round to gather more picks. I'm, I, you know, that doesn't, I, I won't disregard that at all because, you know, this is, they don't have, you know, the, the double digit draft picks that they usually you know, have an affinity for, but, uh, you know, they need talent and they need young talent to step up quickly. And, you know, it always, it always depends on how the draft works. I mean, you know that Vinny. And so if at 30, they got a guy that's their BPA, you know, they're taking them because if they've proven anything over the past few years, it's that they, they are so dedicated to best player available and it's worked out for them. Linderbaum, Kyle Hamilton, you know, those big name guys were best player available. They didn't have a need for safety. They had Marcus Williams and Chuck Clark, and they looked all, all solid on the back end at safety. And instead, you know, they drafted Hamilton and they got a, a center that was the best player on the board. But, you know, did they need a center that bad? Kind of. And instead, he's now a Pro Bowl guy. So 
it all depends on what shakes out and the you know the the 29 picks ahead of them which which is not going to be pleasant for us to sit down and watch when I believe the draft starts at what 8 p.m. and we're going to be waiting a few hours to see who Baltimore calls on. Kyle, you know what's kind of interesting to me is is defensively Harbs hiring a lot of inexperienced coaches, which is kind of shocking to me having a coordinator that has had no experience. I mean, I, you know, Zach Orr doesn't have you know the experience of, of an expected in a long-term coach, but he was in the Baltimore Ravens system as a player. He was here during Mike McDonald's coaching. He then returned here and was an understudy of McDonald. And I believe he is such a, you know, he, as he said, he embodies being a Raven. That's what he loves. He didn't want to leave. It sounded like uh, from what Orr was saying that, you know, Mike McDonald would have wanted to take him to Seattle. And then when the Ravens gave him an offer, he said, is that there's no way I'm I'm leaving because he wants to be here in Baltimore and and uh, with what they've done for him in his life both as a player and then helping to keep him and and you know and and protect him as a person when uh, his career got cut short due to the congenital neck issue. Um, I mean, you have a guy that might be inexperienced in the traditional method, but I mean, a, a, an NFL player you know who is valuable enough to be a, uh, an All Pro and has worked as understudies under this system for a few years, I think that's enough to, uh, to cause hope and not concern. Uh, it's a bit more of an optimistic approach, but there's no, there's no satisfaction in being pessimistic, I think, in this, in this uh, avenue. Kyle Phoenix, video at Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. Kyle, tell everybody about the Baltimore Beatdown website and, of course, what you do for BaltimoreRavens.com. Absolutely. Please tune into BaltimoreBeatdown.com. We are churning out content regarding free agency profiles, you know, guys that we talked about just now and whether the Ravens should hang on to them, the affordability, the latest rumors, you know, a lot going on with uh, running backs. And, and um, I was halfway through that piece uh, when, I, when I got this phone call here to talk with you gentlemen. I also cover the Ravens doing a freelance gig on BaltimoreRavens.com. My article published this morning. It's under the late for work tab. And I also talked about there's a lot of rumors going around that the Ravens are getting pretty interested in signing a, uh, you know, a bell cow running back. So it's not just, uh, you know, the fan smoke, but there's some, there's some fire that seems to be with, uh, with insiders believing that the Ravens are going to be doing that. So gentlemen, you have a wonderful rest of your day and a great show. Uh, Kyle, appreciate it. Enjoy the combine this week. Yeah, I'll be at home in Owings Mills. Don't you worry. (laughs) And probably watching 5,000 hours of combine coverage on NFL Network. We'll come back, reset the program for you, give you an Oriole update. They have two games going on as we speak. Stay tuned for that. Then we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. They finished last in the American League's – oh, American League. The AFC North, the only team not to make the playoffs, but some will say inch for inch, pound for pound, they're still the most talented team in the division. As Hyder would say, the Bobster and the Vin Man. I like our guys. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Vin. Joe Daneman, Fox 19 Cincinnati, joining us bottom of the hour. Talk about the Bengals with him. Their combine uh, plans would be what? They franchise T. Higgins, which was a 21 million plus move. <laughs> Over the last day or so, but you know, still long-term extensions for him, for Jamar Chase. You know, much like the Ravens with Queen and 
Roquan can't pay them all, so somebody might get sacrificed. Tyler Boyd's probably playing yeah. in another destination here. Yeah, no doubt about that. But they they do have the the advantage they have. They have a ton of cap room. That that's the advantage. They they need to fix. I think one of their tackle positions too on offense and get some more pass rush. Um, but uh, they'll be good. They'll be good as long as just like Lamar. As long as Lamar's healthy. As long as Burrow's healthy. They'll be good. So we'll get an update on the Bengals from Joe Daneman coming up here, bottom of the hour. Uh, Orioles scores for you because they're playing two games against Tampa. Scoreless bottom of the first. Mullen struck out. Rutschman walked. Hayes grounded into a fielder's choice. So Ramona Rios at the plate there. As the Rays go scoreless in their top half of the inning and then against Atlanta here. With Seth Johnson on the hill for the birds, he gets out of his inning unscathed as he got Acuna, Albies, and uh, Austin Riley to all commit the old outs there. And then the Orioles went one, two, three. They're top of the first. Here we are, top of the second. Max Freed struck out O'Hearn, struck out Kerstead, and now pitching two. Jackson Holiday. So that's what we have happening in two destinations in Florida. Ravens at Atlanta. Ravens. Orioles at Atlanta. And then the Orioles are hosting the Rays. Hiders with the Braves. Freddie Gonzalez is sticking back home to coach against Tampa there for the or manage, if you will. The Orioles, let's get out to the phones. 410-583-1057. Let's go to Arbutus. It is Ed. Ed, what is happening? Bob, Vinny, good day to both of you gentlemen. Same How you doing, man? That, uh, always enjoy your show. Uh, brief Raven thoughts. Matt Abuke, he's a must-do. Michael Pierce, Van Noy, Clowney, definite bringbacks. In-house skill set help for the edges. Would like to see Trenton Simpson full throttle go in that mix. Roquan, Hamilton, and Queen, no way should that be touched. Leave that alone. Brandon Stevens thought he was our best combo secondary man in regard to hit and cover. Need to find a safety thumper, a Hamilton twin body type. Free agent would like to see a splash pickup. Derrick Henry or Barkley, both for the nose for the goal line. Best thing, the NFL draft each year, you get at least three players of significance from the top 100 in the country. Blindside, O-tackle, help, big body wide out, playmaking safety. That's it, gentlemen. Thank you for your courtesy. All right, Ed. Thanks for the call. Now, if from a combine perspective, we can go back infamously if you want to. Zeus Jr., mm-hmm. where things did not go well for him Those. at the combine, where he, he was projected to be a first-round pick going into that last year at Oklahoma, was a third-round pick, became an all-pro, and now he's a highly compensated left tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals, ironically enough. What has to happen, aside from injury, for an offensive lineman stock to just go, see ya. Oh, I think he was fat and out of shape, you know, and that, and what do you run? His 40 time was like, I don't think he's finished yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, the way guys can drop is, or if they're in the interview, they're assholes or something. Mm-hmm. Interviews are big. Physicals are big. You know, the physical stuff and bad performance. Just, I mean, you look sloppy. I, what I mean by that is, is you know, you're jiggling everywhere when you're running, that kind of thing. Or you got extremely short arms if you're an old lineman. That that is a big factor too. Now for quarterbacks, 
no Caleb, Caleb Williams isn't throwing, and neither is Jaden Daniels, the LSU kid. Right. Any big deal here because they're going to do it at their pro day where things always seem to set up a little more advantageous for them to show off a little bit. Yeah, if uh, if I'm – and I've said this many times. If I'm an agent and I have a top quarterback like that, I'm not having him throw because it's a job interview. And with a job interview, you want to do what's – and everybody's evaluating what you do on every throw. You've got receivers that you've never seen before, never heard of before. You don't know how they run routes. There's no timing. And plus, Bob, in a pro day, you're throwing bam, bam. You're In a pro day, you're throwing – it's just you. There, you're waiting in line. You throw once and then 20 more – 20 quarterbacks later, you're throwing again. It's not conducive to to look good. So, yeah, I, I think they should throw at their pro day and, and have it scripted and do all those things because, you know what, it's your pro day and it's for you to look good. You don't care about what the pro scouts, you know, you want to impress them, but the way to impress them is to do what you want to do. Getting back to Talia Tungaviola, who we talked about last hour with uh, Jeff Ehrman, he did not get invited right to the Combine. So how is that who decides what's the invitation? And in t- like Ty Johnson, a couple years back, coming out of Maryland, he didn't get invited. He's been in the NFL for five years now, so it doesn't mean it's the end all be all for you. But I would think for Tonga Viola, this is kind of an insult to his skill set. Oh, no I doubt about it. It's uh, yeah, he's probably extremely was upset when he found out. It's usually the Blesto scouts, which are um, three hundred and twenty whatever guys that they invite and if some guys don't invite them you know they have a list of guys that are the fill-in guys but I've always felt like um agents kind of push their you know they'll take a guy and, and stuff so I'm not sure because I, I think Bob they have like because it's 323 guys there's so many quarterbacks they're taking and if all quarterbacks show up and say he was 15th or 16th and early taken 14, then he's not he's not getting in. Come hell or high water, he's not getting in because it's not like they can take 30 quarterbacks. No, because they have a specific number at each position that they're gonna that they're gonna bring in. It's Vinny and Haiti, 1057 the fan. They're set at quarterback with Cincinnati, the Bengals, that is, with Joe Burrow, but two years running, he's had some sort of ailment that crops up during training camp. Now coming off the wrist surgery. So we'll talk to Joe Daneman from Fox 19 in Cincinnati about where Cincinnati is situated right now in the pecking order of the AFC North and their offseason needs. They've already addressed the franchise tag thing with T. Higgins. What's next for them? Your sports information station, 105.7 The Fan. Vinny Haney, 105.7 The Fan, here on this Monday. Bob Haney, Vinny Serrato. Nolan McGraw is on the other side of the glass. We'll hear from him in a few minutes. When we get to the funhouse, Ravens have announced their coaching hires. We'll get to that a little bit later on this half hour. Give you some scores with the Orioles playing two games down in Florida. So stay tuned for that. But let's talk about the AFC North. We've been breaking the Ravens down pretty in-depth over the last few weeks since the end of the season. Let's bounce around the division. And we'll start with the team that was favored to win 
the division in 2023. Had a ton of injuries, still finished above 500. Now they got a ton of dough, it seems like, and they got to spend some of it here to discuss that and more. Oh, and by the way, their quarterback got hurt. He's with Fox 19 in Cincinnati. He's on the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Let's welcome back to the show Joe Daneman. Joe, good afternoon. How you doing, man? Guys, doing well. Great to be back with you. Appreciate it. T. Higgins, he got franchise tagged. You're it. Tell us what this means, at least for today, and give our listeners an idea of what that Cincinnati cap situation is as we speak last week of February. Okay, so it's interesting the timing of the Bengals using the tag on T. Higgins. This isn't a big headline. We all assume this is what the Bengals were going to do. But I think the timing of it with the tag still – Eight days away, the deadline, the fact that the Bengals did it as early as they did and the news leaked out on Friday that this was going to happen tells me that Bengals and T. Higgins' side are pretty far apart on a contract extension, and this might not happen. So I think what you're seeing now is what we expected. The Bengals tagging T. Higgins and trying to bring the band back together for one more year. But considering his production and considering – There were a lot of question marks about T. Higgins. Would he be back on the field? Is he rushing things? Is he nursing some injuries knowing he needs to get paid and wants to get paid like a number one wide receiver? Is it wise for the Bengals now to listen to offers and not invest $22 million in one year on T. Higgins, not knowing how invested he'll be to give everything he's got to this team next year, understanding he wants to get the one big contract that he's going to get whenever his time is up here in Cincinnati. So we all expected this to happen, that T. Higgins would be tagged. The big question is now what will happen next? Will he play in Cincinnati this year? If he does, what will his attitude be? Or will the Bengals now listen to offers? I think we'll start to get some clues on that tomorrow when both Zach Taylor and the Bengals GM speak at the Combine in Indy. Now, Joe, when you – Talk about Joe Burrow. You know, he gets hurt at training camp a lot. Maybe they need to, or they probably already have, looked into, like, how he trains in the offseason. It's a great question, and one that was asked to Joe himself. Now, Joe spoke after the season finale, and the Bengals' season ended without going to the playoffs. He spoke one final time before the team left for the offseason. That question was asked, and he said, yeah, he has to look into what he's doing differently because he has tried different things. He came in leaner this year. He came in a better shape. He came in stronger, and he had a problem with his calf, and that set him back, and then ultimately what happened with his wrist against Baltimore happened. So I think that is an important question, uh, a, a question he didn't have a great answer to at that point, and I'm curious to talk to Zach Taylor and Duke Tobin tomorrow, the Bengals GM, to ask them, has anything changed with Joe Burrow, is there a change in plans for him to enter training camp next year so that he can prevent these training camp injuries that he's had now the last couple of years? And look, we're talking two years ago, the guy had an appendectomy. I mean, there's nothing you can do in training to prevent that. So what happened last year, even though, yes, I think they do have to look at it, guys, and think about doing training camp a little bit differently with Joe Burrow, last year seemed like a one-off in training camp because they don't think you can lump the appendectomy into, okay, we got to change what this guy does in the offseason because he keeps getting hurt at training camp. Now, what is Callahan leaving to go be a head coach? How does that affect uh, the coaching staff? 
Well, it's different here in Cincinnati because the offensive coordinator doesn't call plays. Zach mm-hmm. Taylor calls plays. And, and there were some conversations that were going to happen about Zach Taylor and play calling if he was going to give that up to Brian Callahan uh, before he left for Tennessee. Now that he's gone, it seems pretty much entrenched that Zach Taylor will continue to call plays in 2024. I think this is good for the Bengals. Now, Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan had a great relationship, uh, two very good offensive minds, two very good offensive mind concept people. But I think the Bengals needed a fresh look at this thing, not, not only in offensive play concepts, offensive play calling, but maybe how they construct this offense. Because we talked about T. Higgins. It's likely he's back on a one-year franchise tag deal with the Bengals next year. But they lose Tyler Boyd. All signs are that Tyler Boyd will be gone. All signs are that Joe Mixon likely isn't back as a Bengal next year. And they need a right tackle as well. The question is, will the Bengals, with this new offensive coordinator, and maybe a new offensive mind with a louder voice now in the room, in Dan Pitcher, will they now finally – value a tight end something that they have not done since Joe Burrow has been a quarterback here in Cincinnati they got the 18th pick Brock Bowers is being talked about I don't think he gets there I don't think he falls far enough for that but the question is will the Bengals finally invest in a tight end with some new offensive thoughts in the room without Brian Callahan I think it's a good thing for the Bengals now to have a different voice in there and maybe look at doing this thing just a little bit differently to try to get them over the hump Joe, the only way he drops to 18, probably if he runs like 4-8, 4-9, something like right. that. That would be yeah. the only thing. Now, what are the what are the Bengals going to be looking for at the Combine? Who are they going to be studying? Who are they going to be interviewing a lot of that position? So the Bengals like to think they're a draft the best available team. They, they like to put that out in the public, but that's not what they draft. The Bengals draft to needs, and the Bengals have needs. The needs are in the first round, no question, no doubt about it. They don't have a right tackle. At this point, Jonah Williams played on a franchise tag last year. Jonah Williams is going to make himself a lot of money because he was pretty solid at right tackle. He played left tackle in his first four years. He played right tackle last year. So if you think about NFL teams who are going to come pick off a guy that can play both tackle positions, Jonah Williams is going to get paid. He's not going to be in Cincinnati. So what I'm trying to say is that offensive line has to be a priority for this team. If it's not in the first round, it's in the first couple of days. Defensive tackle, that's the problem with this team right here, right now. You talk about the Bengals and all the changes they're going to make offensively. If Joe Burrow is healthy, they're going to be good enough offensively to be a Super Bowl contender. That defense last year, even if Joe Burrow played 17 healthy games and played at an MVP clip, that was not a championship-worthy defense. They were bad. And they've got to get better. D.J. Reader got hurt midway through the year. He's their only difference-making defensive tackle on the roster. It's likely he's not back. He's just too old. He's too priced out. And he's coming back from a devastating injury. So you have to think the Bengals have to spend a lot of free agent dollars or draft capital on offensive tackle and defensive tackle. And they got to start thinking, maybe even round two, like they did with T. Higgins, about getting another wide receiver because when T. Higgins does leave eventually and leave Jamar Chase and an empty room around him of guys that aren't proven, and, and we know how good Jamar Chase is, but he can't do it by himself. So 
Those three positions to me, offensive tackle, specifically right tackle, defensive tackle, and wide receiver, have to be the Bengals' needs in the first three rounds. Joe Daneman covers the Bengals and all Cincinnati sports for Fox 19. Joe, we appreciate your time and the information as always. Enjoy your little downtime here if you have any, and then we'll talk to you more in-depth with the football stuff because, you know, we got the combine and the draft and all that fun stuff coming up next couple of months here. Guys, thanks for having me. Always right, look forward to you it. You got Appreciate it. it. Joe Dynam and everybody. It's Vinny and Haney, 1057 The Fan. Give you an Orioles score update. Stay tuned for that. Ravens announced their new coaching hires. We'll get into all of that. And then a fun house trip with Nolan McGraw coming up before Inside Access at 2. Vinny and Haney, two opposites attracted by a paycheck. 1057 The Fan. The fan. Orioles play two games. Split squad against Atlanta. Up one zip. Jordan Westberg goes yard in that one. Seth Johnson. He pitches, let's see, a couple scoreless there, which is good to see. Remember, he came over in the three-team trade with Tampa and Houston a couple years ago with Trey Mancini. So, all signs good there. And then two zip against said Tampa as Tyler Nevin. Hit a two-run jack in that game. Kate Povich came over from the Twins. I believe it was the Lopey trade a couple years ago. So uh, he's paying some dividends, too. So two of the talented young arms in the Orioles system underway today. So one zip over Atlanta, 2 nothing over the Tampa Bay Rays. The Ravens have announced four new coaching hires today. Mark DeLeon is the new inside linebacker coach. Dennis Johnson, well, we were talking about this last Mm -hmm. week. D-line coach coming up from Baylor, the collegiate ranks there. Doug Mallory. Mallory! He's coming in as the new defensive backs coach. Long time. This guy's been coaching forever. Yeah. And then uh, Travell Wharton. He's a former NFL offensive lineman. He's coming up from the uh, Washington Commanders. He is the new assistant offensive line coach. So there you go. Yeah. And... Um, Mallory has experience with Jack Harbaugh and DeLeon coached Roquan Smith at the Bears. So that's a connection there. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Um, the, the thing about it is, is all right. Inside linebacker coach, Mark DeLeon versus Zach Orr. That's kind of, you know, is there going to be a drop off? I, I don't think there'll be a drop off because Zach will probably always have his hand in there. The defensive line coach, Dennis Johnson. You got Anthony Weaver, who's been, you know, now a two-time defensive coordinator. There's going to be a drop-off there. Yeah, no NFL experience as yeah. a coach either. Yeah, he's coming from from Baylor. And then Mallory, you know, the DB, DB coach, there's going to be a drop-off there because, you know, Wilson got the coordinator job. So, yeah, there's a drop-off there in Travell Wharton, um, former player, So and Mike Devlin, went to be the D, the O-line coach with Jim Harbaugh. Yep, and uh, Wharton is a guy that, as we said, he was the O-line coach for the Commanders after being an assistant O-line coach in Washington and other uh, NFL destinations and played 
in the NFL for 10 years. Tomorrow, Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh are going to meet with the media. Eric's at 10.30. John Harbaugh's at 11.15. So we'll have all that coming your way by the time we get the news from the nest. Coming up at 12 o'clock, Terps back on the hardwood Wednesday against Northwestern. Coming off the win yesterday against Rutgers. Orioles playing two games as we speak. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that. Hopefully good news tomorrow morning when we reconvene. But right now, let's go to that fun ass of yours, Nolan McGraw. Quick draws, fun house. The rudeness, tuneness text reader. Who's the fastest gun alive? This side of the Chesapeake. I like that quick draw. 1057 The Fan. Start with this one here from Chris, who says Justin Matabike should join Brandon Williams and Haloti Nada as uh, Ravens' key interior defensive lineman to get a big contract. Where would you rank Matabike uh, amongst that group of three, though, for the Ravens all time? Oh, that's too early to tell. I, I like his. I like the path that he's on because each year he's gotten better and better. I don't know where you know if you can match the thirteen and a half sacks, uh, but if he has nine or ten sacks, I, I think that's a help because he's going to get a lot, lot more attention. I'm sure, unless they can get some guys on the outside. If they, if they just don't have any help on the outside, because Clowney and Van Noy, they help Matabike a lot get singled up. And if otherwise, Matabike is going to get doubled all the time, and his numbers will come way down. And Haloti never approached 13 and a half sacks during his career, but there was maybe a two- or three-year window there where he was arguably the best defensive lineman in football. When did he start to get hurt a lot, Bob? I think it was post-Super Bowl. Well, he, he got hurt in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. there you go, so... But he was he was an extremely extremely athletic guy too. Oh yeah, yeah. He ran down uh, RG three. Uh, this one here, Texter says, it's easy to forget about Enrique Bradfield Jr. because he was joining an already stacked farm system. But this could be a guy that's MLB ready by next year. It's crazy how much depth this team has. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it in baseball in my lifetime. Well, they are loaded at that spot for sure, and his speed is undeniable. He's a premier speed guy, but there are a lot of outfielders in this system. There are guys that are fighting for Keston Kerstad, Colton Kowser, fighting for spots now. Sooner or later, you know, you're going to have to pay the Hazes and the Mullins and, you know, as they get up there in years, and they're not ancient by any stretch, but get up there in years and salary then this cheap labor might become an option, or as we always talk about, their magic beans, their little magic prospect beans that you could trade to fill some needs here for sure. Another one on the O's. This texter says that uh, the Orioles need to keep Tyler Wells as a starting pitcher, led the American League in whip for the first part of last year. Uh, It's a high correlation to earn runs. You may have number one or number two type of production out of him, but the innings limits have held him back. Well, he ran out of steam last year, as we talked about earlier with John Mioli. Reinvented himself in September and October out of the pen, but opportunity is there for him and Cole Irvin. And Cole Irvin made the most of his yesterday and worked his ass off in the offseason because he knew last year was unacceptable. Tyler Wells, you're just trying to replicate what you did from uh, you know March through July. And if you can do that again this year, you know, they're talking about one of the best starting pitchers in the American League. At least that's what he was for the first half of 2023. And one last one here, talking about John Harbaugh. Questions for him tomorrow. 
how much, if at all, will he be asked about that playoff loss yet again? Uh, Texter here says, stop making excuses for John Harbaugh. Even at halftime, he himself said in the interview that they need to come out and run the ball more. They didn't. What else is there left to say? Well, they did. They ran it twice, and they got stuffed, so they decided, screw that. We're not running anymore. But uh, hopefully um, we're talking about moving forward here. Uh, There's nothing to gain by going back talking about the playoff loss. And, And if they only have 15 minutes with Harbs, I hope it's better information that we're getting. Yeah, we already know what happened. Right. They they coached like uh, they did in 2019. Yeah, they down, by, down by a little. Thought they were down by a lot, it seemed. It's Vinny at 80, 1057 The Fan. We'll come back tomorrow with Turn It Up Tuesday. Talking about all things sports, everything that's happening over the night into the morning. We'll get into that as well. Inside Access coming up here in a matter of minutes. For Nolan McGraw, Vinny Serrato, I'm Bob Haney. Stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you in the morning for now. Class dismissed. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.